Welcome to Bad Puns and Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Kevin Keane. And I'm Mike Olson, and today we'll be discussing True Lies, released by 20th Century Fox on July 15th, 1994, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tom Arnold, Bill Paxton, Tia Carrera, Art Malik, Eliza Dushku, Grant Hesloff, and Charlton Heston as Spencer Trilby. Written by James Cameron, based on a screenplay by Claude Zitti, Simon Michael, and Dieter Kaminka, directed by James Cameron. I gotta tell you, they never say the name out loud in the movie, but I can't tell you how much I love the name Spencer Trilby. Uh, That's it, a great name. It does seem like a CIA guy, doesn't it? Yeah. Spencer Trilby. I, my Heston impression needs some work, but... <laughs> From your cold, dead hand? Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, True Lies. As we said last episode, long overdue, but uh, definitely... One of the more revered of Arnold's canon. Yeah, and the the one I think that's viewed as kind of the bounce back, even though I don't think you and I feel that Last Action Hero was a, a flop or a, a bad movie, but this is kind of the bounce back as, as people view it. Yeah, I guess I never really put it in context of when it fell. Because, yeah, was this immediately after, or would, is there something in between? I well, guess it would have been the next he, movie. He has two movies in 1994, the other we have oh. not covered yet. <laughs> But this one technically gotcha. came out before Junior, so... Okay, so this is his, his movie after Last Action Year. Yeah, I believe so. Okay, that, that worked out well for him then, because... Yep. Uh, yeah, that Perceptions. Was, that movie was not well-received, and this one, I think, was much better received. Very well-received, yes. Uh, and, and at least for me, it holds up very, very well. I gotta say, I, I like it a lot, but I think it has not aged well in some ways. Okay, that's interesting. I, I didn't like it. As much as I was expecting it to, uh, expecting to. That said, it's still really good. There are individual scenes that are great. I don't think it quite holds together. As uh, I mean, well, let me just let me just put it this way: I was not aware until doing the research uh, for this that this is a remake of a French movie. I didn't know that. That's why all those French names is based on you know the screenplay. It's a remake of a French movie called La Totale with an exclamation point. Okay, which I love a movie with an exclamation point. <laughs> Like Hot Shots? Yes. Or like... Or uh, Hot Shots Part Deux. <laughs> or uh, The Informant. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I did a little research and I tried to find a copy of La Totale. Uh, and I found a copy on a very sketchy Russian website. So Alternative uh, facts. <laughs> I mean, there's a very good chance that my computer is now part of the Russian botnet. <laughs> you know, I was partially responsible for the UK like healthcare <laughs> hack from a, little, a few days ago. But... Uh, yeah, I, I tried to. There was no uh, subtitles or anything, but I kind of skimmed through it just to see. And once I kind of realized that basically the middle section of True Lies is La Totale, almost scene for scene. From when Arnold shows up, uh, Harry, I'm going to try it. Harry Tasker. Harry Tasker shows up at Helen, right? Helen yep. is his wife, at her office and learns that he thinks that she's having an affair. Until they end up on like the terrorist island and <clears throat> all that, that section of the movie is almost a scene for scene remake of this French movie, and then everything on the beginning and Book at the ends. end is totally James Cameron. And once I started to look for it, it's so obvious to the point where I'm st- I started to think these two parts of the movie don't actually mesh as well. Maybe it's be- you know it, ignorance is bliss. I would have been much better off not knowing this. <laughs> Once I started to see, you know, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, they have totally different tones. Like this middle chunk is a total like, you know, domestic comedy. The the action stuff completely drops away for like forty minutes while yeah. we have this domestic comedy, and then 
it rushes back in kind of an awkward way. Like I started to see where like it doesn't quite fit together at the seams. So it's interesting that you say that because so I did not do that research and, and know that going into it. But when I pulled it up and started, you know, looked at the counter on. Oh man, I forgot this is a really long movie. It's yeah, two it's, hours and twenty minutes. It is. And I, I'm not knocking it. I'm not complaining it. But as I was watching it, I you know I, I'm remembering there's going to be an entire middle section that's almost a completely different movie. But what I what I enjoyed about it, and maybe it goes to the casting, is that that section could really derail this movie and make it where it's it's a really bad movie. And maybe it's the performances. The tone is completely different. But I I feel that it, it's executed and pulled off pretty well because it's easy to say this movie's two hours and twenty minutes. Here's an easy thing to cut out. Cut out that middle section, yeah. right? That's not really an action movie. But to me. I agree with you that I can see the points where they don't blend well together, but once you're in that 40 minutes, I think it's really well done. Yeah, no, I I know what you're saying. I I agree, you're right. It's it's kind of a miracle that it hangs together as well as it does because yes. that section is so different. Um and to the point where it never really even occurred to me that's like it could oh, be a different it's screenplay. It's literally just they took a totally unrelated screenplay just about like, you know, a spy agency fighting terrorists. And uh, I guess what I was reading is that Arnold was the one who saw the French movie and was like, I want to remake this movie. It's hilarious. You know, you know I'm a <laughs> spy and my wife is having an affair, you know. Um, so it feels like they just took an unrelated script and plopped it in the middle, this French remake in the right. middle of it. And yeah, I mean, I shouldn't be too critical. It is awkward once you know, but you're right. It is. A, it's really a testament to James Cameron's ability as a director and, and also a writer. He wrote the screenplay himself. Um, well, I mean, based on another screenplay, but yeah. still. So, yeah, it, it is kind of remarkable. So I, I shouldn't, I'm, even though I think uh, I don't like it as much as I did when I was younger, I mean, it's still a really fun movie, and there's yeah. so many great scenes. It's just like, you know, even if, you know, even if it's not quite the sum of its parts, those parts are so good. Like, every, you know, you can point at like 10 different scenes and be like, that's an that, awesome scene. That work really well. And I, I think even uh, you're, you're right on Cameron as a director and a screenwriter holding those parts together that probably shouldn't add up. But I think even more so, I think the casting, particularly the, the main, you know, three of Jamie Lee Curtis, Arnold and Tom Arnold are, are really what I think drives this and, and keeps this thing together. Cause I think any one of those three parts that aren't working right I think this thing could unravel pretty quickly. Yeah, and you know, it's since this movie is kind of so well known now, it's easy to forget how risky oh. the casting of Tom Arnold was. At, absolutely, and it's amazing that that worked out. You know, I mean, it's the performance of his career, and he's never even remotely done anything as good. Close. No, I mean it. it and I don't know if it's the role that was written for him, but when I think of, especially that era and the connection, right, with John Goodman starring on Roseanne. That the Big Lebowski, Walter was. I, I just I can't ever imagine a better role and a better fit for a role than John Goodman as Walter. It's the same thing in this: is that he'll. There's no way Tom Arnold ever could have done anything better than what he did. Is there some kind of Roseanne connection? Like, I, well, just because she's the magic. Uh, no, I'm just saying that because the connection that the reason why he was such a risk is the antics between the, those two when they were married and then during the divorce is the reason he was poison. Right. That nobody wanted to touch him, and that's all I'm saying is that John Goodman somewhat comes to mind because of that show, and he's so iconic as Walter in The Big Lebowski. It's the same thing that I just I can't 
I can't ever imagine him being better in anything else. I wouldn't call Tom Marvel necessarily iconic in this movie, but I mean he's it's, he's, well, doing, okay. he's very he's funny and he's doing a very good job. He's not like you know oh what a memorable character. It's like yeah, he's a guy who sits in a van, but he's making funny quips and you're right. That's but fun. You oh, okay? It, it's not iconic. What I'm saying for his for him as an actor. It, oh yeah, oh, similar sure. to Goodman as Walter, and I'll say we've got an example in this podcast of where that stuff doesn't work because James Belushi in Red Heat was supposed to kind of be not as much tongue in cheek as this movie, but was supposed to be the comedic. He wasn't funny at all, so yeah, we we certainly have a comedy pairing with Arnold that didn't work well. Boy, could you imagine James Belushi in that oh, part? Please no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually can, and it wouldn't be fun. No, no question about it. Like you could very easily ruin that part. It's not like oh, it's an easy part, and any plug anyone in there, and it'd be funny. Like I don't think that's true. Like no, I think they legitimately had to have rapport, and I think they did, and I think it showed. So yeah, but what's weird is Arnold and James Belushi are friends, and like I, it seems like they have a rapport in real life. Yeah, but well, it doesn't translate. It didn't translate. To the screen at but all. here, I have no idea if Arnold, you know, Tom Arnold and Arnold Schwarzenegger had rapport off screen, but it certainly worked on screen. My impression is that they they remained friends to a certain degree. I know Tom Arnold did a movie that kind of did a a riff on the Carp- fact that Carpool. Uh, I don't even know what that is. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's a Tom Arnold movie. But go ahead, keep going. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I, I've, I've never heard of that movie. I don't even know what it is. Uh, he totally gonna, derailed me now. I don't even know what, what that was going to say. Oh, he, I don't know what the movie is called. Maybe it is, maybe it is Carpool because I don't know what the name of the movie is I'm talking about. But he did some movie where he played himself and the movie was about like it was like a mockumentary or something and he was trying to get True Lies 2 off the ground. Like, you know, it was like making fun of himself. Like, yeah. oh, he's so pathetic. He, he's clinging to this one role where he, you know, was actually good. And I think both Arnold and Jamie Lee Curtis appear in that movie as like, oh, really? in, as in like cameos. Yeah, but uh, I've never no, I don't know that, and I've never seen that. I don't know so what the movie's called. I don't know if it's any good. I remember hearing about it when it was out. Like I think I heard an interview. Tom Arnold went on some radio show and was, was pitching it, and was like, "Oh, maybe I should see that." And then Tom Arnold made a fool of himself on the radio. I think, if <laughs> I remember correctly, and it's like, "Well, maybe I won't." See. That sounds about right. But yeah, and then yeah, I agree. The cast is great. A lot of actors that don't really do the you know. It, it, Unusual casting in terms of like Tia Carrere, for instance, as a villain. Yeah, as a villain. Yeah. Like I don't think she ever did anything like that. No, you know, before or since. Nope. Really did much of anything after this. Because it's, it's pretty much it's pretty much Wayne's World. In this, <laughs> right? Was Wayne's World two before or after this? That's the question. I think Wayne's World two was like a year before this. I think so, but I, I'd have to look it up. Her swan song, but she's really good. You know, like I wouldn't call myself a Tia Carrere fan, but uh, no, you know, I, she doesn't do any singing in this movie, which is a plus. <laughs> No offense to Tia Carrere. Sorry, This Tia. is what I do. I take shots, and then I feel bad, and I back <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. Just either own it or don't do it, man. I remember I bought the Wayne's World soundtrack uh, as like one of my first cassettes that I bought as a kid. I was like 12. And boy, every time I get to that Tia Carrere song, <laughs> it's like, oh, God, fast forward. CDs haven't been invented yet. I can't just skip. So I have to wait that, 30 seconds for this thing to fast forward. Was that better or worse than Mark Wahlberg? You got the touch. <laughs> but that's intentionally <laughs> bad. She just was... She was trying her hardest. Like you know, it's not like in Wayne's World she was a bad singer and that was the joke. No, in Wayne's World she was amazing. That's the thing about Wayne's World. They're trying to convince you she's amazing. She's destined to be a star, and Wayne's going to help her. What? Wayne Campbell, just, you are no talent just scout. Screeching into the microphone. Anyway, but she's good in this. Yeah, Tia Carrere. I'm sorry for knocking you. You're good in true lies. Everybody is. So um, I I don't have anything else really on it. If you want to just dive into the details. Yeah, let's dive in. I will say, you know, I I had a real hard time. 
I've been real busy this week, and so, so the section where it is the remake, I more or less have no notes. So I'm going to rely on you to like tell <laughs> what happens next because awesome. I skimmed through the French movie and I'm like, that's enough. I I know what happens. I, I think I'm gonna this is a long it. movie, like you said. Like, it's I just, true. I don't so have time I'm, to get through this whole thing. I'm going to have to really go through it fast, and maybe I'll just make stuff up and see if I can. <laughs> I can, you can catch me in a lie. Well, you know, because I knew there were no bodies in that sequence. Because it's like, oh, this is the comedy part where nobody dies. So That's true. it's like, body count, don't have to worry about it. Skip ahead 40 minutes. I'll start taking notes <laughs> and here. And then after that, though, the body count really ramps up in this yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm very... I definitely want to talk about that, because I think that's one of the things I was disappointed in to a certain degree. Okay. I don't want to jump ahead, but right. uh, yeah, when we get to the action Wait stuff. Up. Why not? Because pretty much every episode in the beginning that we take, you cut right to the end anyway, so we might as well. I didn't jump right it. to the end. That's, That's like two-thirds of the way through. All right. If I was talking about Harrier jets, then I'd be jumping right to the end. <laughs> well, it's a textbook task or takeoff. <laughs> <laughs> Let's save it. Let's just start at the beginning, which is uh, Switzerland. Or actually, no, let me talk about the, the credits, which I hate this score so much. That's the one of the, my biggest criticisms of this movie is... I think the score is terrible. Really? That's I don't think it's great, but I, I would not say that I thought it was terrible. I think it's an awful score. It's by Brad Fidel, who did the Terminator and Terminator 2 scores. Hmm. And, you know, I had mixed feelings about Terminator. I criticized that. Terminator 2 is, is better, but I mean, it's just, like, awkward and, like, obtrusive. And it's, like, weirdly jazzy in spots. Like, in this opening sequence where he's sneaking in, just like, boom, da, boom, da, boom, da, boom, da, boom. You know what I'm talking about? I do, and that's a pretty good implication of it. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it, it's so simple and dumb and, like, it's just this weird, like, bass, like, stand-up bass. I do agree with you that there are times where it does feel obtrusive, that it's it, it needs to be toned back significantly. Well, I remember, because, you know, my note about the title sequence is just, like, there's no build-up to the score. It's just, like, Go from zero to black, 60. and it's just, all of a sudden the score just like bah, 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 bah. it's just like whoa, build up to it. We just started the movie, right? Just blaring music at me. Well, I had in the opening that the the title card or the title sequence is very plain. I mean, they're they're we we talked about in our last episode, the last stand, how you have this kind of intricate, uh, you know, movement of a car in the the credit or the title to that. I don't know, it's a memorial for, you know, the fallen officers, which was pretty... This is about as plain vanilla as you get. Yeah, it's just true, and, it, like, the, the yeah. letters all individually rotate and yeah. it reveals it, lies. It, it was... It, to me, I kind of had a note that they spent so much money on the Harrier jets, they had nothing left for graphics and just decided, we're going to do this on uh, on our home computer. Yeah, I wonder how much uh, James Cameron's heart was in this movie, to be honest with you. Really? Because, I mean, it seemed like from the bit of research that I did that Arnold was the one who wanted to do it. And I wonder if he was just like, well, you know, I made a lot of money on T2. I kind of owe Arnold a little bit. I'll, I'll throw him, you know. I'll go like, along for the ride. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, honestly, I'd say even though I like this movie, it might be James Cameron's worst movie. You think so? I think so. Just to be clear, it's a good movie. I like it a lot. But name me a worse James Cameron movie. I think it's the worst one. I, I mean, it's it's like, what's the opposite of faint praise? This is like, you know... Tepid? <laughs> no, but I'm saying, like, even my saying it's the worst, that, that shows how great of a director yeah, he okay, is. Maybe, yes, that if this is his worst, it's a pretty high bar. Right. Yeah, what's, there must be an opposite of faint praise. Like, strong criticism, I don't know. Like, there must be some kind of... <laughs> I like that, we're going with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, it, I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah, you're just saying that based on his but, you know, body a- of work. Avatar, The Abyss, I think I'd still... I think. Both of those are better. The best. I don't know. I, for some reason, I'm not the world's biggest Avatar fan, so I, I probably would put Avatar below this. But 
yeah. wouldn't blame anybody for telling me I'm crazy either. Yeah, I can understand that, but they're pretty close. Maybe yeah. Avatar's worse. Yeah, maybe I could agree with you there. Either way. All right, so Switzerland. Yeah, so in Switzerland, and I, I actually took issue. So can I ask you about these guards that are walking around? Sure. Are these, these are just security guards, right? <laughs> are you asking? No, I'm asking for a reason. I'm getting somewhere. Okay, yeah, I mean, as far as I know. Okay, then, then I mean, this isn't a surprise since most everything with Harry is a lie. But he's under the true lie. But he's under the truth serum, and he says, yeah, but they were all bad. He kills a bunch of these guys. These guys are, they're not bad guys. They're just security guards. They work for a, a financier of terrorism, though. So clearly they're bad. I don't know about that. That's a big stretch. I think this is just a security team that's walking around a house. I don't. I'm. I'm. I don't think these are evil terrorists. They're. They're. Well, I mean, there's this party going on with yeah. like, all these rich people, and the guards are walking around with openly with machine guns. Okay, like, that's nefarious. Something's up there. There's a lot of rich people there, and they could easily be kidnapping victims. I'm not sure these guards are bad guys. I'm putting that out there. That's my opinion on this. Well, they're bad guys, but they may not be bad guys. <laughs> if you follow my, okay, my logic. Sure, in the context of this movie, they are the enemy, but yeah. that doesn't make them bad guys. I think that's probably what he means by they were all bad. Like, they were all bad guys, meaning they were uh, fighting me, you know? Like, in the, set, in, like, the video game sense of, like, oh, the bad guys, you know? All right. They were all bad. Fine. Bad guys. So we get uh, we get Harry using uh, stealth mode under the ice, and he breaks through this ice. Is that the shiniest knife you have ever seen? <laughs> I didn't notice that. No. Oh, it is. I mean, it's like a Bowie knife. It's like a Rambo-esque Bowie knife. It's, it's a giant it's like, knife. It's like Excalibur. Like, King Arthur is pulled it out of a stone, and it is as shiny as can be. I, I don't think he needed a knife to cut through that. No, it's, it's like he's being very, you know... He's really calling attention to that knife as he pokes his way through. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, I brought this with. I want to put it to use. Yeah. Can I tell you this this like ice that he's swimming under? When I was a kid, I never understood that this was like some kind of an inlet to his boathouse. Oh, really? I thought, I always thought this is some kind of weird like ice driveway. Like my me- in my memory, <laughs> there were cars in this ice. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, what's the worst of the, the last Brosnan Oh, Bond die movie. another day. Die another day when he's driving oh. around on the ice. Is yeah, that the ice hotel? Yeah. <laughs> that's what you envisioned? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I mean, it was like they talk. They, they mentioned the boathouse multiple times. I should have figured it out. I mean, I wasn't that young. This is ninety four. We would have been fifteen. Like I was yeah. pr- obviously a pretty stupid fifteen year old. <laughs> so I, th- I was like, I just thought he was so rich. This guy that <laughs> I want built- my I want my driveway made out of ice. And then water underneath, you know, so <laughs> I live dangerously. You know, it's obviously just an inlet for his boats or whatever, but yeah, I never understood that. And finally this time I'm like, oh, it's uh, his boathouse, right? It's just, <laughs> it took this, is how almost, he, this is how he gets his boats out on the lake. This, okay. It took you until you were almost 40 years old to come up with that? Well, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time, so I'm sure 10 years ago I probably would have picked up on it too, but... <laughs> It's just one of those weird assumptions you make as a kid and you never question it, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. That's what it ended up being. I understand. I, I love the perfect transition, by the way. I've, you know, I've had to wear tuxedos to events as well as suits to work. I would love to know if I could wear a wetsuit over either one of those and it would come out just absolutely perfect. I'm sure it's some kind of ultra-secret you know, spy technology <laughs> wetsuit. Wet okay. He should have like had a bag or something like a tuxedo on or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, no, because I, it's it, fun for the movie. It's yeah. fun. And I think in some ways, right, this is supposed to be a little bit tongue in cheek, poking fun at Bond. I, not, it's not a parody, but there are some things that absolutely that they're making fun of. Yeah, I think so. That's definitely what they're going for. Although, I don't know. Do you think 
Arnold works as like a Bond type of a figure. I'm not um, sure. I, I think he totally works as like... No, I don't think he... I mean, between the accent combined with his size, he just... He wouldn't... Like Bond, you would expect he should be able to blend in. I know that he doesn't, but y- you could expect that of the people who have played Bond, right? Right. Arnold, no. He'd stick out like a sore thumb. Well, also, Bond is a ladies' man, and uh, as much as this movie's trying to convince us what a ladies' man Harry Tasker is, or Harry Rehnquist, I should say, um, you know, because... Uh, I'm not buying it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tia Carrera, as Juno, I, I mostly remember the character's name, so I'm going to pat myself on the back here. Wow. Juno. <laughs> Juno Skinner. Juno Skinner. Sees him, she's like, oh, it's like she like immediately is yeah. like super into him. It's like I, I I find that hard to buy too. I can't think of any Arnold movie where like he's a convincing romantic lead. And we talked about it a lot in like The Running Man, where it's just like let's kiss at the end because why not, you know? <laughs> and Commando, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, they they like cut it out. They cut out the sex scene in Commando because it's like this is awkward. Like I, Arnold doesn't. I just do not buy Arnold as a no. I, as I a ladies man. I can't disagree with you, but. I will say that to set up the tango scene, it is completely worth it. <laughs> That's the other thing is I don't buy him as a tango dancer. Apparently, he trained for months to learn the tango, and I'm watching going like, I don't think that shows at all. He's very good at, <laughs> he's very good at standing motionless while women tango around him. Just it, being a tree? Yeah, basically. He's not really doing anything. I mean, kind of, you know, a little bit here and there, but he's not really, you know, he's not doing much at all. He's not, but what it what what the tango and him not doing much does set up is the having Tom Arnold as Gib in his earpiece is actually probably the best as he's trying to convince him that he doesn't have time for this and he needs to get out of there immediately. Is it remind me of this the the sequence of events? Does he plant the bug in the computer and then come back down and tango yeah. then? So okay. he ma- he makes his way through and it bookends to the end of the movie because he says, "Oh, Colonel, it's so good to see you." And oh, it, is that it, the same guy? It's not. It's not the same Colonel, but it's the same line. Oh, okay. Um, different colonel at the end with Boris and Doris. Uh, but yeah, so he makes his way through the party. He grabs some champagne. He makes his way upstairs. There is a guy in this party who looks like Lex Luthor. That's the one. That, oh, I missed that. He's kind of in the background, right? I couldn't help but notice. It's just like very, very young, totally bald. He looks like Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. I, I like, missed that he one. He looks nefarious. I was like, you can tell this is like an evil party. An ar- arch just villain party? That guy is here. Yeah, so he makes his way upstairs, plants the bug, and then there was the one when he says, "In I love the parenthetical that they give in the translation, perfect Arabic, <laughs> which I would like to know how untrue that is. Oh, it's uh, so obviously untrue. Yeah. <laughs> I have to take a leak is uh, what he says. Well, but you can hear his accent in the Arabic. It's just like, you know, I speak perfect Arabic just like I speak perfect English, <laughs> you know? Perfect Arabic. Come on. It's, I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, it's, right. it's intended to be funny, and it is funny, but... You know, so but it does. He plants the bug there, and then as he's trying to make his exit, he realizes that uh, the guy, some some of the security is looking for him, and that's when he asks if she tangos to try and use her to like survey. All right, how am I going to get out of here? Right. So then they do that. As I said, Gip is in the van. You know, telling him, telling him ditch the bitch. <laughs> you don't have you know. Sec- I think it's seconds count, buddy. Which is I I love the line. I mean, does he need to? He doesn't even really need to get out, right? Because the third guy, Faisal who's also in the van with Tom Arnold, he's downloading some files or something, right? Yes. So it's not like Harry has to go back up and get the thing and escape. Why doesn't he just blend in? Like, I'll stay at this party, you know? You guys well, can take off. <laughs> you know? I, I think it's because because he's so noticeable, because he's six foot four or whatever he is. Sure. The, the security guys upstairs knew that he was in the room and went and looked and I think found something. 
And that's the reason why they're calling downstairs and more guys are coming to investigate. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he does. I, I suppose he does try to just walk his way out the front door casually. Oh, yeah. so. his, his, uh, his exit strategy is my friend. I'm going to right, walk right out the front door. Yeah. I like this moment because the movie establishes he speaks perfect French. He speaks perfect Arabic. But then a guy comes behind him and speaks German. And <laughs> what? Don't understand. Do I look like someone who speaks German? The idea that that's the one language. I mean, he's probably just pretending not to understand because he didn't want to yeah, get but caught. But it's also, I mean, it's kind of playing up the joke, right? That quote unquote in parenthetical perfect. There's no way, but the one language right. he probably could speak perfectly. I don't know. Yeah. Obviously, he probably does speak perfect German. <laughs> that's but, the joke. Yeah, that, that is the joke. Yeah, uh, he doesn't have an invitation. He does not. He shows his invitation, but he had planted some uh, explosives beforehand. Yeah, I mean that's, that's a fun moment. He has my invitation. Yeah. That, was, that was in all the trailers. I'm I saying I distinctly remember that from the trailers. Yeah, too. That, that was in every commercial, everything. Like that was the big line. Absolutely. And so now he begins to make his James Bondian uh, escape. Yeah, I have. So I have no bodies in the initial explosion. It seems like everyone's pretty far away from it. Yeah. Okay, just, I, just to confirm that. I, that's what I had, but I also had that uh, a couple of dogs get the Conan treatment. Oh, well. right. I mean, they're, I don't, those dogs obviously aren't dead, but I just laughed because we had just done Conan the Destroyer. And I mean, animal abuse is animal abuse, whether yeah. they survive or not. He's yes. definitely uh, racking it up. Since, since I'm going to have to take the middle of the movie, I'm going to let you run with this because this mostly is just body counts here. Yeah, I mean, I think this sequence could be more fun than it is. Basically, he just runs down a hill. And slides down. Yeah, and, and there's some fun stuff. Although I will say, there's a lot of very obvious stuntmen in this movie. Like, Arnold's stuntman almost gets as much face time really? I, as Arnold. May, maybe uh, I just wasn't trying to be as critical uh, on this one. I, I'm sure it's there, and I just didn't Yeah, I couldn't. Once I started noticing it, I couldn't stop seeing it. And I'm watching an old DVD. Because like, that's all exists. Yeah. yeah. How did you watch it, by the way? Uh, same thing. I had to buy a DVD. And it, was, it was the old, like, yep. basically full screen, it's yep. not anamorphic. Unbelievable. But yeah, it's like, it's this 15-year-old DVD, and I can still tell that there's a stuntman. It's like, you know, I, should, I probably shouldn't say this because it's like, I'm just going to ruin it for people. If you're looking for it, it's just like every time he's doing anything remotely physical, it's not Arnold, it's some other guy. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, body count. Here we go. So, shoots a guy in a snowmobile and three guys on foot. Yep. And that's before he heads down the hill. Yes. And I'm going, take the snowmobile. Why doesn't he escape on the snowmobile? Well, no, he just runs down the hill, uh, jumps over a wall, and shoots a guy on a road. So that's five. And then in come the ski guys is what I have. And those ski guys just get mowed down. Yeah, he kills three skiers, and then he gives the, the last guy one final shot for good measure. <laughs> I have that, too, and I love it. That's Here's what I have. The extra shot when the last guy goes down is a very nice touch. <laughs> the timing of it, it's almost inten- it seems like it was intentionally comedy timing. Oh, I think it was. She's like, bang, bang, bang. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely think it is. <laughs> He's running, so that's eight. Uh, I've Ar- Arnold Stuntman slides backwards, shoots another skier. I thought, uh, he, I thought he gets two when he's going down And then backwards. there's a snowmobile uh, yeah, guy okay. also. So that's ten, and that's when he gets to the van. And then in the van, he uh, says... Could you move the... Uh, is it, I think, a move backward a little, yeah, could please. could lean back a second? Yeah, and I think he takes out two more guys. Uh, yes, two more guys. Yeah. So 12 total. Yeah, th- th- there's a lot of that, actually. It's like, there's there's what? There's in Raw Deal where he's driving the tow truck. He's like, could you please move out of the way, you guys? 
There's this. There's like there's like at least one or two more. Like this is kind of a thing that Arnold does in a lot of movies, well, where he politely asks people to move out of the way so he can kill somebody. Well, and then in this one, Harry Tasker is extremely polite because he's always saying, "Excuse me." Yeah, that I find funny. Like the, the <laughs> when he's on the horse, the like, horse is like, fantastic. The constant apologies coming out of Harry's mouth is really funny. So then we get. Um, so we're back to DC. Yeah, so we head back to DC, and this is. Uh, him changing in back into Harry Tasker mode. So from Harry Rehnquist, he's you know gets his wedding, eventually his wedding ring, a snow globe gift. Which even before it was given, I'm like, yeah, you can't give that. That is a really lame gift. Yeah. There's a reason why his uh, Gibbs wife divorced him and took the ice cube trays. If that's his idea of a good souvenir. <laughs> Well, I mean, they probably didn't have a lot of time to. They, they, I'm sure he bought that at the airport. Oh, it's like, yes. What, what can you get at the airport that is a plausible gift? You know, I don't know a book. I don't know. Well, you'd think you know this. The, well, I almost called them the CIA. They're not the CIA. They're Omega Sector. Is yes. that what it's called? The last line of defense. <laughs> so, you would think Omega Sector, with all of these fake passports and things, <laughs> that they would have the resources to get a plausible like gift, cover gift. Yeah, some kind of like you know a cuckoo clock or something, some kind of Swiss thing, oh, a snow globe that you could get anywhere. He could have got that at the DC airport. <laughs> he probably. That's the funny part is he probably did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. That's a pretty crappy gift. But, you know, it's not actually, it's not a genuine gift. It's only intended to, what's the word I'm looking for? To, like, establish his cover. Oh, like, yeah. Like, that he was actually, he was there. actually there. He right. doesn't actually, he's not actually giving this gift because he's thinking about his daughter. He's like, this, no. this will prove I was actually there yeah. as a salesman. Like, the gift only exists to serve his interests. It's not actually, like, you know, I'm sure. Thoughtful he, for his daughter. Yeah, I'm sure even if he's a spy, he could have found some time to be like, I need to get a gift. You know, he could have stolen something at this mansion. He's not constantly killing guys on skis, so he's got to have a little bit of downtime. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so then we slip a little bit and get the domestic life here. The the neck. Well, you you get him trying to get some covers back from Jamie Lee, but then that you know that doesn't really matter. We cut to the the morning and he's given uh, Dana, played by Eliza Dushku, the snow globe, and it does not go over very well because it winds up in the garbage very she quickly. Doesn't even close the door before she throws it in the trash. I find what that, if he turned around? I find that to be completely plausible, though. <laughs> really? Yes, because she's, you know, whatever she, what is she, 13, 14 in this? Yeah, I can't remember what. Something like that. Absolutely. It's, this is lame. <laughs> right in the garbage. Yeah, but she was polite to his face. Yeah, like, okay. Weren't you polite and then a jerk with stuff with your parents when you thought they weren't looking? Yeah, but I wouldn't have thrown it in my trash. Like, she, this is a crime that's very easily solvable. <laughs> What's this doing in the trash? <laughs> You know? Is that really a crime? I'm saying, why even bother? I guess. Or at least if she's going to throw it in the trash, be a little more discreet about it to save her father's you know, feelings. Well, she's too busy. She knows she's got to go rip, uh, rip some money out of Gibbs' wallet here in a couple of seconds. So No, it's uh, Harry's wallet, I think. No. Are you sure? He says Positive. She's ripping me off. No, she's ripping you off. And then later on, I, you get a line. No, I, we can go sure. and pull it up. Later on, Gibbs says something. I thought it was my ex-wife's boyfriend that was taking the money from me. Yeah, no, it it, because he puts his jacket on there, and that's the thing is they're setting it up. He knows he's got this new camera and toy, and he's pretty sure, or he suspects that maybe Dana's the one that's been stealing from him. I thought she was stealing from Harry. Okay, no, not that it matters that much. Yeah, stealing. Yeah, she's stealing. She's stealing the money. But before that, I, I, it's one of my favorite lines. And I just love the delivery from Tom Arnold when she put she's putting on the motorcycle helmet. Yes. Boy, I remember the first time I was shot out of a cannon. I still love that line to this day. Yeah, that feels like an ad lib too. That feels I, like uh, Tom Arnold brought that absolutely. line. Yeah, that's a funny line for sure. No, I mean effectively that that entire sequence really is just to show that you know Harry's home life is stressed, particularly with his daughter. 
and that you know I, I think Jamie Lee says something about the the plumber had to come out and it was going to be highway robbery oh, but she right, slept yeah. with him and got another hundred dollars knocked off no she said she offered to sleep with him oh, i know okay. for a fact she doesn't tell her husband that she slept with the plumber okay that would have been escalating the story pretty quickly Quick, all right so I she mean, offers but he says oh good thinking <laughs> yeah she offered to sleep and only a hundred bucks like it that seems like i offered to sleep with him and he, he said he'd knock off a hundred bucks i was like come on you get a free if you're gonna offer, well, it was like offer a to sleep with fourteen hundred dollar bill I don't know if you could get it free, but a hundred is not a very plausible discount. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the going rate would be, at the, you know, at the time. But you know, seems like she's selling herself short. Uh, I would agree, so especially based on you know later in the movie, she is a plausible prostitute. Yes. Uh, so now we're headed in the car. Gib has given him some thoughts on parenting and a a philosophy and life on their drive into the office at Omega Sector, and some timely references for 1994. Madonna? That's, yeah, Madonna and Axl Rose, right? Yeah. I, you know, I know that there's nothing that the filmmakers could do. They didn't know that like music would totally change in like a year and a half. Yeah. But, you know, 1994, like, no one's listening to Axl Rose. or It's the same thing we talked about with T2, which is theoretically, it was made in 91, but set in 95. And they're listening to Guns N' Roses. Like, nobody was listening to Guns N' Roses <laughs> in 1995. You know, I mean, but at least Gib, you know, he's an old guy. He, he's a few years behind the curve. He, is, he doesn't know about Nirvana, you know. He doesn't right. know about any of the, the cool new stuff. That had been times where it changing. But at the same time, Madonna should have been a pretty safe bet, right? I mean, she had been... She, yeah, she was still pretty uh, big in 94. Yeah, and had been a sustainable star, you know, basically for a decade before that. But you're right. And I, I do cringe a little bit in pop culture references and scripts because it can, it can really date something pretty quickly and this is right there that as you said it kind of kind of does sometimes it's good to date the movie so you get a little bit of like flavor of just like oh this is what ha- was happening in culture at the time but yeah it, sometimes this it's just feel like, that way though. oh right yeah because later we get a beavis and butthead reference yeah that doesn't age well at all no a beavis and butthead reference as much as there's stuff from mike judge that i like it's more of office space and things that came after beavis and butthead that i think are more timeless than beavis and butthead yeah anyway then the tech tell systems which yeah. is their cover, front, whatever. Can I just say the security to get into this place is phenomenal. And I would not mess with Janice. I don't know about you. Yeah, she seems like a tough cookie. She's taking no prisoners. Well, and can she not really tell that they are who they say they are? I mean, you never know. She, you could never be too safe. There's Mission Impossible secrets in there. Mission Impossible 2, where a bunch of masks are going to get pulled off. You have to remember, this is before the years when the president would just hand out you know, government secrets at the drop of a hat. Like, <laughs> this was when they were actually protected. So, you know, times, well, that, times minute, were different wait, back hold then. Hold on. No, times may be the same now. If Omega Sector exists and we don't know about it, they're, they're not giving the secrets away, right? They're trying to protect them even if the commander-in-chief is giving them away. Well, but maybe they wouldn't care. They'd be like, ah, the president's blabbing about all our secrets. No. Like, anyone just come in. Like, you don't even worry about your ID. I'm not, I'm not sure about that even today. But you're saying that why bother with all the IDs and stuff when yeah. she obviously can see who it is and she knows who they and are. Can I ask you this? When they put the pass card to get in there, what do they wave it by? It's like it just goes on the door jam. Yeah, it's so that people, if they happen to come into the office, don't realize there's a secret door there. I it just looks like a closet or something. I understand that, but I'm, I say, he puts his pass up to it. I'm like, how did that open that door? I mean, there's some electronics behind, like, inside the jam of the door, I assume. All right. It's, it's disguised. You know, they're spies. This is spy stuff. I know it is, but that seemed a little implausible. I to me. totally, I think that's, it makes a lot of sense in terms of, like, you don't want, 
you know, you couldn't have like this phony office and then just have one like like bank vault. Hey, what's that? I'm not <laughs> saying it would that be a door. bank vault. You don't want it to be conspicuous. It just looks like a closet. Well, I, I, we can agree on this. Janice is not to be trifled with. She is all business. Yeah, that's for sure. There's no pleasantries from Janice. It doesn't seem like she has any kind of mechanism if someone tries to like break in. Well, like, she's got what? the pistol underneath the desk. Oh, she does. You're right. That's what I'm saying. She and she has she is ready to just open fire on them immediately. Oh, okay. I see. That's that's what you're talking about. Not necessarily the IDs and all that, but well, the IDs too. It's a lot of layers, but they are then putting for retinal scan, I think fingerprint scan and voice scan. Why is she so like trigger happy? Why yes. is she? Yeah, yeah. Unless she thinks it's like Ethan Hunt, where they could have masks that they're just going to pull yeah. off, and it's not them. Yeah, there you go. It's probably like yeah, I'll, I'll bet. Omega Sector has constant like security drills. She's like, oh, this might be some kind of a drill. I need to make sure I'm following procedure. Put your hand on the gun just in case I have to shoot someone. Dude, this, you, you could be right that she could lose her job if she doesn't do it the perfect way every time. I mean, maybe she just hates these two. You know, Maybe she's just like, give me a reason. Gib is a jerk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can understand why she'd hate him, for sure. Maybe that's his ex-wife. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that would yeah. be crazy. There's ice cream trays underneath the, the desk. Yes. Oh, none of these. <laughs> one day I'll kill you with this. Uh, and so then we get the introduction of one of your favorite character names of all time, played by Charlton Heston. Yeah, Spencer Trilby. No one ever says it. No, and he really doesn't have much to do in this movie either. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He only has two scenes. And he's, he's out of the movie within a half hour, I think. Something like that. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's early on, because you don't see him at that back end. Yeah, he never comes back. Or jets or any of that it's stuff. It's like, hey, Spencer Trilby, there is a nuclear threat. Miami's going to be just, like, exploded. <laughs> Should Are, do aren't you going to be involved in any way? I don't leave this office. <laughs> he never leaves that conference room. I've got a patch like Nick Fury, <laughs> yeah. but I don't leave the office like Nick Fury does. It's a pretty cool patch. <laughs> There's a weird moment when he's first introduced where it's, it's Harry, it's Gib, it's Faisal, and there's just some woman there. Like taking notes. Or something. But they're all sitting silently for like three seconds. Like you cut there, they're just sitting there. I don't think we'll need you anymore, Janice, or whatever whoever her name is. And she just leaves. It's like, what was that about? Why even have that? It's such a weird moment. So what I, I took it as is that that was like an HR interview or something that they had to have her there to take notes because it wasn't national security. But then as soon as they get done with whatever oh. you know, boring, you know, paperwork stuff yeah, okay yeah i got you did they collect the right passports you know all that stuff and then once we get that out of the way then the actual debriefs right she's not cleared for whatever right. she doesn't have about. the right clearance that's what i took it as yeah well i forgot to mention i think it's funny that uh omega sector is led by the omega man oh i didn't connect that very yeah. well very good yeah. uh so what we really get here from the debrief is that uh, juno skinner is um getting a lot of cash from uh the the money launderer that they ultimately, at the beginning party, that, that's why they were trying to infiltrate and get information off of his computer. I don't think we learned that here. That's right. That's right. We learned that later. Because they talk about his Swiss bank accounts and how they, he's suspected of, uh, or like he's paying out money to fund a terrorist Oh, group. You, you know what? You're right. I have this note too early because it is in a scene shortly hereafter that they make the connection when they're trying to yeah, get some real this doesn't mean anything he's buying you know antiquities from her or whatever yeah. so yeah this is just about Khaled the rich guy and just he's got Swiss bank accounts and they're they've connected it to a terrorist group yeah which by the way he lives in Switzerland so if you have a Swiss bank account is it still a Swiss bank account if you live in Switzerland I, it's just your bank account. It's just, <laughs> you're right. It's just your bank account. Maybe this is where we should go. I have an American bank account. 
doesn't have the same cachet, does it? No, for sure. I don't think even Swiss bank accounts. Oh, we learned in uh, we learned in the last, the last, last episode. Swiss bank accounts aren't as secret as they used to be, as uh, we learned from Forrest Whitaker. It, it's and that is actually true. They are they are not um, since really the financial crisis. A lot of things have changed. Right. Well, this is before. This is back when they were. So uh, yes, nineteen ninety four before Nirvana, but <laughs> no, after Nirvana before Swiss bank accounts. But a, so. according to Gip, Nirvana didn't exist yet. Right. Well, according to James Cameron, also I assume. Yeah. But yeah, unless we also learned that four nuclear warheads disappeared from Kazakhstan. So yeah. it's like I think that's so what it is. That's what you learned there. You're right, and and um, so Spencer is basically saying you need you guys didn't really get much yeah. out of this and get to work. <laughs> yeah. What is Spencer Trilby's problem? But like we've we've traced this rich guy. We've proven that he's paid. He's bought four nuclear warheads from Kazakhstan. This isn't blowing my skirt up, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. What is it going to take to blow your skirt up, Spencer Trilby? They, four stolen, or, you know, lost, I guess, nuclear warheads. <laughs> this isn't important. Why are you wasting my time with stolen nuclear warheads? So you focused on the blowing the skirt up. What I have is Charlton Heston is not interested in limp data. It's oh, that's true, yeah. Because Arnold says, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say we have anything rock hard. <laughs> right. There's like you better get some. It's just like what are you talking about, Spencer Trilby? <laughs> and then after this, you cut away from that. That's why then my note then has is that they connect to Juno Skinner because the very next scene, they're basically walking within Omega Sector and they've reviewed the data and they found some large cash transfers. Right. I, I hate this line by the way. I don't blame Faisal for it, but horizontal bopping with a biscuit is a terrible line what is that the line i don't yes. remember that at all because they were talking about you know obviously tia career is attractive but it, she, he paid her like two million dollars or, or something in that range right and he says no that's a little bit too much for horizontal bopping even with a biscuit like that oh, okay yes. it's a terrible if james cameron wrote that he should be ashamed because that's a terrible line faisal says that that sounds like a more like a tom arnold line than uh... no i'm pretty sure it's fast faisal okay <laughs> it sort of rings a bell but uh to me, it was a terrible line. Anyway, then they end the scene with the two of them, care to tango. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's, <holes. laughs> That's funny. We did skip over a brief scene of Helen at work where she's talking about how boring Harry's... Every time he talks about work, as he puts a, her to sleep. And yeah, as a, a salesman. You're right. <laughs> Which my note is, your office doesn't exactly look like excitement central, Helen. Like, Pot, meat, kettle? Yeah, she's a, a legal... Legal secretary. Secretary, I mean, yeah. yeah. So. Or a paralegal. And then so we need to re we get back, unless you got something we reestablish and head back to Harry Rehnquist with uh, poor Gib dressed up like a limo driver which yeah. kind of I wish they would have done a little bit more with that. Uh yeah, that's true. It could have been funny like, you know, are you going to open the car door for me, you what know, stuff you like doing? that. You're not the believable limo driver. <laughs> would a guy like this have his own driver? Or I guess maybe like he just rented it for the day, but he's a, he's an art consultant. So he's still posing as an art consultant. Well, that, that's the thing that confused me because he's there at that party that was just going to be boring billionaires, as Juno Skinner said. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And now he's claiming to be an art consultant. Yeah. That, that didn't. I thought he was a businessman, and somehow he's an art consultant. That's a good point. I mean, I was confused. Maybe he's just friends with billionaires, so he got into the party somehow. You know, he got some kind of connection. I guess. Well. You know what? You're right. Because now that I think about it, wouldn't she sus- be suspicious about this guy considering the fact that everyone at that party must know that the boathouse exploded? Hey, something fishy happened at that party. The, the boathouse boat? exploded. There's a bunch and, of dead bodies everywhere. Yeah, and then there was a chase down the side of the mountain. 
And she's like, ah, you know, nothing suspicious about that. It's like, especially a guy who then immediately is coming to find me like 48 hours later. Well, also the idea that he's, he's a corporate art consultant. He's like, oh, I've got some clients that are looking for something for the new lobby. This is a nice piece. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> this is a nice piece. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> this is great. His cover is a terrible story, and then he's not really selling it very if well. If only she'd asked him a follow-up question, like, oh. Anything yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. He would have known nothing. So you like Persian, uh, you know, it's like, oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, this is from Samaria. <laughs> You failed the test immediately. Yes, yes, I knew that. I was testing you. I mean, the Persian part of Samaria. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That is, it's so like flimsy. tossed off. It's a nice piece. <laughs> I agree. That's such a funny moment. It's just like I wonder I, if that's scripted or not because I hope I like to think that Arnold ad libbed that. I love his delivery more than the actual line. Yeah. It's just so disingenuous. That's the thing. Yeah. It's just like you know what it should have been because they're like they've got a bunch of like. It's like a whole warehouse full of... Right, like, they're un- <laughs> taking things out of giant crates. Yeah, of antiquities or something. It would be great to be like, that's a nice piece. Oh, we're remodeling. That's just a pile of rubble. <laughs> you know? It's not actually artwork. Yeah, it's just something like that. No, but back to my point. So he's supposed to be a an art consultant. He's looking for a piece for a client's new lobby. What kind of a corporation buys actual priceless antiquities and just throws them in their lobby? The Nakatomi Cup Corporation? <laughs> I guess, yeah, that does seem to be kind of the kind Doesn't of thing. Doesn't seem exactly the Nakatomi, like, yeah. yes. You know, we've both worked for large corporations, you know, currently and in the past. Oh, we have the cheapest artwork you can imagine. Yeah, the idea that any corporation would spend actual money. So well, they just want the appearance of having culture. They don't want to actually have priceless antiquities in their lobby. It's true and not true, because I actually think in the 80s and somewhat even into the 90s in this period, I do think actually... Really? Yes, that there were... I, now, things that came from ancient Persia... Right, it get destroyed. <laughs> it's like, oops, a drunk guy came in and, you know, peed on it or whatever, and got to write down <laughs> half a million dollars on our books, because... Took a sledgehammer to it out of frustration. Right, yeah, a, 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 a former employee who was bitter about losing his job, perhaps. <laughs> Come in and destroy the priceless antiquities. Uh, it okay. just seems implausible to me that he'd be buying, buying <laughs> actual his Persian... <laughs> antiquities it's not art that's the thing he's uh, is an art consultant this isn't art they're antiquities they're like relics this is not the kind of thing that an art uh, consultant okay, would be buying for being, his corporate clients we're being way too critical they just needed a device to be able to deliver the nuclear bombs okay they I mean, needed yes. something big i i just i got really hung up on that He's putting Senior Extrapolapa kettle in the, in the <laughs> corporate lobby. That's right. Mr. Burns actually is another one the that probably would buy it. God of War. You know. Oh, uh, all right. So from this, he, uh, he makes the introduction or uh, the connection to Juno. And she, he heads back to the hotel, the suite that they have for his cover. And they say they, had, they were immediately getting calls. So Before we get to the hotel, there's a guy, one of the terrorists who's posing as like a worker in this office i love the moment and maybe it's just me but she she like yells then they're just like lounging it's like that whatever yeah. she says and the guy pretending to go back to work i don't know what it is but it just made me laugh so much he's like ding 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 ding, ding. <laughs> as soon as she's gone does he yeah, stop working he, he's like looking over like is she still looking <laughs> ding 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 <laughs> And what is he really doing? He's just banging a hammer he's and just probably breaking a, stuff. He's just got a crate, which possibly has a nuclear bomb in it. <laughs> Who knows? 
You know, you just ding, ding, ding. I don't know. It made me laugh. I don't know what's so funny about that to me. It's, I, it's very visual. It's hard to describe. No, I, I, I know what you're talking about. I didn't have a note on it, but I knew know what you're talking about. Yeah, anyway, yeah, the hotel. And, and uh, so, yeah, so they're, they get that, that they're checking on his references. And now we head back to Juno, and we finally get the reveal of the actual villain of the movie. Yeah, which, I don't know. This guy doesn't really do it for me, I don't think. He's just kind of a standard, you know. I mean, I, I don't think it's necessarily like... You know, you could harp on the the cultural insensitivity of it that right. he's just like this, you know, stock, yeah, terror, Arab terrorist or whatever, Middle but, Eastern terrorist, right? But honestly, my problem with it isn't that as much. It's just that he's not interesting. Of a, he's just a very one dimensional villain. He has no personality. I, I agree with that. And there's a couple of things in here when we get later. There's one uh, towards towards the end when he sends the rocket launcher at Harry. It ultimately doesn't kill Harry. It just <laughs> right. really tears his shirt. He does like a fist pump. It is the weirdest. And Yeah, because this character is... A st- the way the character is established, that guy would never do that. No. It's just like, where did that come from? Yeah, Right. It would have been better if he was more consistently like that guy. I think I would have liked that guy better. Yeah, for sure. Considering how much you like Die Hard. I like Die Hard too, but I mean, I'm not like as giant a fan as you, but like it, it's so smart of Die Hard to not make them terrorists. I think terrorists don't make for fun villains in an action movie. No. It's like, I mean, especially, certainly now, like post 9 11, it's just like, it's too serious and like not, you know, it hits too close to home. But even then, even, you know, it's hard to put yourself back before that time, but even still, it's just like, there's nothing fun about a terrorist. It's like the villain needs to be fun. It needs to be like, it's an action movie. It's not supposed to be, you know, if you're going to make like a really dark, serious movie, then okay, fine. But. That's not what this is. Yeah, he, he's just not. You know, Hans Gruber is fun to root against. He's, yeah. he's a, you know, he's posing as a terrorist, but he's like a really fun crook. <laughs> you know, he's he's a great th- whatever he says. Like I am an exceptional thief. Whatever he says, you know, that's and, fun. Yeah, this isn't fun. He's uh, and he upgraded himself to kidnapping. So I mean, he was moving moving up the chain of criminality. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like a deal breaker, but I wish I just wish the the villain was more colorful. That's all. Or just I, had a henchman that was more colorful. Just somebody. I guess I Juno kind of fills that. A little bit. But that's the thing is he burns through guys so fast. <laughs> that's true. I mean, the guys do not last long on his team. No one survives long enough to like emerge as a character. Yes. Yeah, like probably some of those guys are just like really had, interesting characters. They potential. Yeah, it's just they're just dying immediately. Especially because we're getting there. The guy who's as physically imposing as Arnold, the, the first guy that he gets into the fight in the bathroom, yeah, yeah, yeah. that guy I'd like to see as a henchman because he was just as imposing as Arnold. He's probably the one that had the most potential, but he gets wasted. Yeah, definitely. He might also be the guy doing the chisel. And <laughs> just <laughs> looking to see when's the boss not I, I'm picturing him. I think it might be the same guy. Um, but anyway, so Helen calls and they route to the call through from, yeah. the, from the office. And they're, she's calling to verify that he's really going to be home for... The birthday party. For his birthday, which nobody else is acknowledging that it's his birthday. I wonder if Gib and them even even know that it's his birthday. Oh, it's probably top secret. <laughs> you think so? Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's probably just like, I, I, I'm I bad at remembering people's birthdays, so maybe they just don't even know. But uh, I just think it's funny that like nobody nobody's acknowledging that it's his birthday. Yeah. I tried to count the, the candles on the cake to figure to out. To see how old he, did yeah. you get there or no? It's too, it's just, it was just pickles. Stupid fifteen-year-old DVD. It's like I can't tell how many candles. If only the four K transfer would come out. Whenever that comes, maybe we'll amend this podcast and we'll give the update of how many candles there were. That's the real crime, man. Watching a nineteen ninety-nine DVD that's not even like anamorphic on my four K TV. Watching it on my Ultra HD four K Blu-ray player. 
The blue. What's funny is the our mach, your machines should be so smart. It should have just spit the disc back out and said no. It did struggle a couple of times. Like it like wouldn't fast forward. It's like I don't know what to do with this disc. Does not I, compute. I could skip from channel to channel, but I could not fast forward. It was just like this disc. It, I wonder like if I put like a CD in and be like, I bet it wouldn't even acknowledge. It would what give it you the, the HAL nine thousand. I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't do that. Actually, I think I was reading somewhere that some like the new PlayStation Four or whatever doesn't recognize CDs. They, like didn't bother. It's like it cost thirty cents to make the laser be able to acknowledge it. It's like it's not even worth it. Who uses CDs anymore? <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if this thing could not read CDs. They barely read this DVD. Uh, so they Gib and Harry are trying to drive home to his birthday party, but they spot a tail and they're going to set a trap at the Georgetown Mall. I, I have here, speaking of things that are very 90s, it seemed really out of place in 2017 having a pack of cigarettes and smoking as a plot device. Just in a movie in general? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it was a different time, right? But the reason I also highlight is right around this time, it's either 93 or 94, is when the uh, state's attorney generals settled with the tobacco companies on their multi-multi-billion dollar settlement. Yeah. And the ban on TV ads and all that stuff went into effect right around the time this movie came out. Yeah, the death of Joe Camel. The death, <laughs> the death of Joe Camel. But the another per- another camel that uh, met <laughs> met ill fate. Yes, uh, not not by Arnold, but, but also the birth of Thank You for Smoking, which is a movie that I know that you uh, you enjoy yeah, as I, I do. I, I really I like that uh, book I read first. Yeah, this uh, True Lies is rated R. Because I think now what the rule is, if anybody smokes at any point in the movie, it's an automatic R rating. Really? I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure. Wow. But this is rated R, so even if that was the case then... It would have covered it. Yeah, it wouldn't have mattered. It's just one of those things that I guess I notice it more now because it's not done in movies, but when you watch old, old movies... Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean... You watch a movie from the 40s, and it's just like... Uh, that smooth, (laughs) Laramie flavor. (laughs) They've got five cigarettes in at a time. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the trap is set, and he's using the the glasses, the X, not the X-ray, but I guess the video glasses, and Z-ray. It's called that. <laughs> it's too. You're right. It's too, too better than X. And so what I had is we had this big criticism in T3 about this fight in the bathroom. This is like the opposite. I actually really like this fight in this bathroom. I like this fight too. It's a really well done sequence. Absolutely. I mean, I think the. The T three fight is just boring. It's just two robots smashing their heads into the walls and things. Like this is actually, I was really impressed watching this sequence. How well thought out it is, even though there's not that much to it. It's not like crazy elaborate. But you know, at the beginning when he's fighting that big guy you were talking about, and he knocks the gun out of his hand and he kicks the gun away. The gun slides to the far stall, and then later when he dives for the gun, that's exactly where it is. Like, right. I actually thought through, thought it through, and it's like, okay, where's the gun? He's got to get to the gun. He slides across, grabs he, the gun. He needs to, when he's hiding, being in the stall, it's lined up directly with it yeah. to be able to make that jump and that slide to it. We never see him in that stall, but I was just laughing, imagining him in there. Be like, you know, it's, it's perched up on the bowl. Like, but can, okay, well, I, I thought we were going to, can you tell me, how is it possible the sand spider missed him? He's uh, six foot four. There's no way he would have missed him in that stall. Yeah, well, if you think about the angle, it probably would have had to pass through two walls to hit him. Because it's like a diagonal, so it's got to hit. It would have to go through like the door to the stall next to him, and then the walls to the stall. But if you look so at maybe, those the front doors, those doors all have bullets in them. Yeah, but I'm saying it was in an angle. Like, okay, if I'm in a, if, if I'm in the last stall next to the wall, the door to the stall is in front of me. You're way over at an angle, so if you shoot that the door, it's going to go in front of me. You know what I mean? Like, all right. So can I ask you this? Does cool off? Does that count? I didn't even think about that. 
I don't. I don't think it does. But I needed. I mean, it's a it's a zinger, but I don't think it's a pun. Yeah, there's no double meaning there. What else no. could it mean other than cool off? Yeah. Here, I'm gonna stick your head in the urinal. <laughs> you know? Instead of bashing it over the the TX's head, I'm gonna just stick this guy's yeah. face in the urinal. Yeah, we we jumped ahead. We just body count number thirteen is the guy with the machine gun uh, who tries to sneak up on him when he's in the urinal. Mister Comb is what I called him. Mister Comb. Yeah, because there was one guy. That he's before the really big guy who's going to try and get him from behind. Yeah, he sneaks up. He, he's the guy. He's like, does he have a knife or what's he going to do? Yeah, he's, I think he's got. He sneaks up on on Harry no, when he, he's pretending. He's got a pistol. Pee. He's got a pistol because he right. walks up right behind him and Harry moves just out of the way at the right moment. Yes, but there's one guy who's staking him out first before he comes in with the pistol and he's just combing his hair. Oh combing, yeah, he so is I, combing his I, hair. I called him Mister Comb. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely is like trying to play it cool. Yeah, it's like, well, why bother? He had the the, the machine gun too. Like, yes. why did he let the guy with the pistol just like turn around and shoot him? There's nothing well, he could have done. I think it's because the pistol there would be fewer shots and it would be less likely to draw attention. That's why. Okay, I guess that's true. So either way, at some point they'd stop caring about drawing attention. But yeah, I guess this is before. Yeah, they're trying to be stealth. It doesn't go well, and Mister Mister Comb gets bites it first. Yeah, he's number thirteen. And I have more notes about the music being bad. Yeah, I can see that in here. I don't know. Like, nothing. <laughs> can I hear that again? <laughs> That's how it goes. I almost pull it up. I, I, I think you'd be amazed at how close that is to the real music. <laughs> that, would, that would have been about equal quality to what this music Here's is. Here's what I envision now. The end of this episode, after the episode ends, I'm going to hear the comparison between the actual score and then you. I'll do that. I will totally do that. I think you'll be you'll be very impressed. <laughs> so back in the car, Gibb uh, noted he's calling Helen, and he I I don't know why, but I love as he's talking to Helen. Helen, it's Gibb. Yeah, uh, Harry forgot something at the office. Yeah. Uh, and then he loses. Uh, Aziz, the the sand spider. Yeah, he goes. I lost the third guy. I'm gonna sit here and do nothing. I'm gonna stay in the car. Like, get out and look for him. Well, he eventually does. It just takes him a minute. He only gets out, I think, when Harry calls him and says, "Hey, I'm chasing him." Uh, and Gib gets out to help, like cut him off or something. Well, he he, he definitely stays in the car for a while. It's he, like, he come stayed, on, help he, a little bit. He does stay in too long. What it should have been is, oh, he's talking to Helen and he loses the guy. And he's trying to get off the phone with Helen, and, and she keeps talking. Yeah, but she won't shut up. Uh, so Sand Spider, we don't know his the, his name is the Sand Spider yet. No, that's we, that's my favorite exchange with Charlton Heston's. <laughs> that's after this, but yes, uh, um, yeah, I we call, can just call him the Sand. Spider. I preemptively did assign him because you don't have any name on him yet yeah, in the movie. We learned that next is, is I know his last name is Aziz. That's and that's what I had as Aziz. I, I don't remember. remember. Well, go ahead. I don't remember his first name. I have it as Aziz. Yeah, because uh, later in the movie, the, the guy runs out of batteries and he goes, Batteries Aziz. <laughs> That's how I remember his name is Aziz, because that always made me laugh as a kid. Batteries Aziz. It is great. Um, anyway, so yeah, Sand Spider bursts in and shoots his own man. Yes, and that's number 14. That's a, that's a pretty good villain move, I'll say. Even though this guy isn't that interesting, just bursting in. It's like, I don't care who I shoot, just kill everybody. That's right. That's not bad. So this guy's number 14. And you you have this comedic thing in the other stall too with the old man oh, going yeah. in the bathroom. Ah, it's kind of lame. <laughs> I was glad to see though, or not that see like this is new, but at least he wasn't collateral damage. No, the but movie's this is not gonna, a movie. The movie's not going to kill an old man <laughs> just like, taking a dump. <laughs> yeah, that would have been pretty rough. You know, even though it's about terrorism and nuclear weapons and things, it's a pretty light. 
it is. action movie. Like, it's not. It's not. It's, gonna, not, it's not trying to be heavy. Yeah, at all. it's not a dark movie like that. So uh, the the chase basically begins, and um, we well oh, before the chase begins. Sorry, why does the sand spider even run? He's got a machine gun. Harry's got a pistol. Just take cover in the door and just spray in there until everyone's dead. Why you're, is he running away? You're, you're probably right, but I think he also envisions that all of that gunfire has got to have drawn attention to the bathroom, and he's oh maybe he's, he's got, got a limited get, time before cops show up. Yeah, that he's got to get away. Yeah, and sense. in the end, he's right because at least somebody with a firearm shows up, and it's Gib. Who? <laughs> yeah, I do love that. I, we should have been counting how many storefront windows bite it in Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah, that's true. Because this is another one that just bites it as he makes his escape. It's kind of a James Cameron thing, for sure. Like all yeah. three, both Terminators that we've watched of his and this. Have it. A guy that trashed into but a storefront But you had window. in uh, Raw Deal, you had one that bites it. Yes, you're right. Uh, T- T3, there's a window that gets broken, but it's not somebody who gets thrown through, I don't think. Where what was because the context the, the TX appears. Remember, she's in like that storefront window. Oh, it like burns through the window. It burns through it. So a windows, a storefront's destroyed, but it's not somebody getting thrown through. And there's probably another one I'm missing there. Does someone get thrown through a window in Twins? Yes. No, that's uh, that's Beverly Hills Cop that I'm thinking of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I okay. Got you're thrown right. Through a window. Oh, no. oh, that's one of my favorites. That's right. Uh, so it's the yeah the bad guy and throws him through and he and Axel Foley gets arrested. Yeah. For, he threw me through a window. I just watched that again recently. I forgot how good the first. Oh, the first Beverly Hills Cop is phenomenal. I think I may have said on an episode, and I don't remember if it may have gotten cut out that I prefer Beverly Hills Cop two to Beverly Hills Cop. I remember that, and I think I rolled my eyes. Yeah, I think I may be wrong about that. I still I need to watch Beverly Hills Cop two now to compare them. But are you gonna then watch Beverly Hills Cop three? No, I don't think so. Okay, if only for the George Lucas cameo. (laughs) What is his line in that? His line is "Hey," that's his line. Axel Foley cuts in front of him in, in line, line at the, the amusement, amusement park. park. Right. All right. Hold on. We we got to get back on track. Yes. Oh, right. The chase. That's where we were. Yeah. So the 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 chase. I do like the comedic moment of get being saved by a light pole. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, honestly, almost every comedy moment lands. with Tom Arnold. Yeah, it lands. It lands. Uh, and I then, can't think of any groaners. No. And then this, all this stuff on the horse. I love this entire chase. Yeah, I. It's good. Are you serious? Yeah, I, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I remembered it being. It's just wow. not, nothing much happens in it. That's the thing. Guy is driving his motorcycle. You know, Harry's chasing. There's the funny line of just like, hurry up, my horse is getting tired. That's funny. Yeah. But they don't interact hardly ever. Like, the guy is so far ahead. You know, he goes in the hotel. You see him, you know, people go, ah, jump out of the way. And then Harry rides through his horse with his horse. Ah, everyone jumps out of the way. They're not shooting at each other. There's actually not that much action in it. One guy goes through, the other guy goes through. It's just not that. It's not as interesting as it could be. Maybe the reason I like it is I like that the 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 comedy moments land really well. In particular, the horse in the elevator of uh, it's yeah. a fine looking animal. <laughs> yeah, that is, is an awesome line. Yeah, that is an awesome line. And also an awesome close up of Arnold looking at him like you know. There's this tense moment where they're walking yeah. up the elevator. There's an awesome close up of Arnold. And I think that's in the trailer, too. That close-up of Arnold, I'm yeah. pretty sure, was in all the trailers. It's one of the best like close-ups he ever gets in movies, and that's yeah. just James Cameron being an awesome director. Uh, uh, and then, come on, you've got to love the confrontation he has with the horse at the end. Well, that's great, but I think the, before we get to that, the other reason why I think I don't like this, and this is unfair to True Lies because this is another movie that it reminds me of. Okay. I'm just going to play the clip. Oh, man. 
I don't. This is why I have a hard time taking this scene seriously anymore. Is because of this clip from another movie. I'm putting in a chase sequence. Uh, so the killer flees on horseback with the girl. The cops after them on a, on a motorcycle, and it's like a battle between motors and horses, like technology versus horse. <laughs> that is from adaptation, the 2000 Charlie Kaufman movie starring uh, Nicolas Cage. But that's not fair. This came after. The- it, 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 I said it wasn't fair. It's, it, you're right. It came after. But it's hard to take this scene seriously because all that all I can think of watching that scene is this dialogue going through my head. It's technology versus horse. So well, for it's, me, it's not fair. You're right. It's for not me, fair. it still worked, and I do love that he just. I wish there was just more to it. Like there's just nothing. They don't really use the premise. It's an awesome premise. He's chasing on a horse, and the guy's on a motorcycle. I don't know. It just doesn't really pay off the premise in any great way. I guess the elevators is cool. That's a great moment. Yeah, and. And, and yes, him berating the horse is hilarious. Come on, back up. Yeah, yeah. Come on, we're doing it. We're a good team. Yeah. And by the way, this is more animal abuse, except this time it's just emotional Ver- abuse. Ver- emotional verbal so, abuse. I think if we were I keeping mean, a list, this would be on the list. I mean, I had the guy and you let him get away. <laughs> and the, you know, I, obviously it's a trained horse, but the horse actually is really great in it too. Yeah. Look at me when I'm talking to you. It looks like, look at me when I'm talking to you. What kind of cop are you? Yeah, he, he criticizes him as a cop. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's it's, pretty little. He's, going for, the ju- he's yeah, he, going for the jugular on this poor horse. Well, man, what did he think? What was his plan? What? He was going to jump across the street. I mean, the that's fact- very last action hero. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, this, this really is uh, that moment very broad. More than anything else, the concept that he, that a, Omega Force agent <laughs> would think that I'm going to make this jump with this horse is very last action hero. Yeah. Jack Slater. Does the idea the fact that he he's upset at the horse for being the smart one, being the voice of reason. Yeah. I mean, it's implausible that that motorcycle made it across. Like the shot of the motorcycle, it's just like that's not how <laughs> physics work. You know, so even the motorcycle, I don't buy. Even though we saw it happen. <laughs> yeah, horse. Um, all right, so then, as you said, oh, we... Oh, go ahead. Well, by the way, and last thing before we move on, because this is where, you know, the bad guy gets away, he, he jumps the street, yeah. and lands on a pool on the roof of the opposite building. Hey, Gib and, like, a whole host of police officers are down on the street. Call down there. Hey, he's in the other building across the street. Surround the building. Mm-hmm. Get him. Why, why does the movie just assume, like, oh, he got away? You know it's why? Just, he's one building over. Why? It's 1994, and cell phones aren't that prevalent. He's got. He's been talking to him the whole time. My horse is getting oh, tired. Oh, that's right. He's on a radio he's or something. A, yeah, he's on a transponder. He's got communication with he Gibbs. He does. You're right. Tell him where he is. Just go grab him. You're right. He's up on the roof. That annoyed me. It's just, you know, it should have no, been a thing. Just like, oh, he slipped our... He, he got away. Yeah. It's not too dissimilar, actually, from... Uh, you were being critical uh, in uh, The Last Stand when they ziplined across the building. No, I... did nobody you, get, get him the you're, other way? You're, you're right on that. Especially because it, it's not like... He made his way, and it's like a four-story building. That it's plausible, right? He could just make his way down so fast that people can get. It's a high-rise. There's no way he's not getting out without an elevator, and that takes time, right? Or he like quickly like runs down the fire escape, and yeah, you see him get away. And, yeah, no, that there's no way that that's plausible. And they just had to figure out a way to end the chase, and that's what they decided on. But uh, whatever. I mean, it's it's still fun. Like it's it's not the kind of movie that really should be scrutinized in that way. Like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> So we then get back to the Omega Force, and this is where we get that his name. I actually have it written down. It is Salim Aziz. Salim Abu Aziz. Uh, you're right. I did not have that. So you See, this movie, the name stuck. You're right. It's from, from watching it a bunch as a kid. I Probably. Uh, and I just have that Spencer is still not impressed. It's impossible to impress this guy. 
Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it's it would be miserable to have this guy as your boss. <laughs> yes. Nothing is ever good enough. But you do you you alluded to that you love Fast Faisal with his rationale of why they call him the Sand Spider. <laughs> I know that's that's probably the funniest exchange in this movie. I think probably, Faisal gets the funniest line in the movie, probably because it sounds really scary. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the reason why I enjoyed it and is because the delivery it's Charlton is, Heston. Yeah, yeah, they call him the Sand Spider. Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's only one line, but Charlton Heston. That's why I, you know, I miss Charlton Heston comes from a period and there's no actors left like this where it's just like every scene I'm going to chew the scenery, you know, like the Shatner school of, of acting like those that actors don't exist anymore. No, there should somebody. Kurt, should, I guess maybe Johnny Depp is kind of like that a little bit. But I mean, I, when you think that you think Charlton Heston, Kirk Douglas, they don't exist anymore. Richard, yeah. Richard Burton, maybe a little bit. Kirk Douglas wasn't as... I guess he was pretty scene-chewy. Depending on the movie. Yeah. I, I, yeah Heston's yeah, right. probably the one but that comes to mind. But even Richard Burton, a little bit, yeah, had yeah, that. Yeah. And those... They don't... You're right. They, they stopped being made in, like, the 70s. Yeah. I mean, that's why I wish Charlton Heston had more stuff, because he, he's very watchable in this movie. Every line of dialogue... <laughs> Maybe you'd better get some more evidence before someone parks a van with a nuclear device in its trunk, you know? No, it's by the White House or whatever. in its trunk. <laughs> I can't believe they didn't use him more. He was just probably there for an hour. Yeah. All right, fellas, what are we doing? You're paying me 50 grand to come here. <laughs> I'm, I'm hitting the links in an hour. You're, you're making me think of the Kevin Spacey ad. Before we put the spaghetti in the machine here, Jack Lemon. You, somebody want to tell me what one of these Chewbacca things is? <laughs> That's what I envisioned. Charlton Heston showing up and said, yes, I'm acting. It's time. Yeah. But here's what I... I forgot w- about that sketch. That was a great sketch. Uh, I think... I think uh, Matthau is even <laughs> my favorite. What's this movie about anyway? <laughs> What's this picture about anyhow? Well, uh, Jack. The magical uh, world. Of, uh, Jawa, it's actually the line, Jawa's, what the hell is this picture about anyhow? <laughs> yeah, right. And then, yes, he just walks out when they start to try and explain it to him. I, I, recently I watched uh, The Taking of Pelham 123, which he is the lead in. It's a pretty oh. serious movie, but I have a very hard time taking him seriously. Matt Walter He's Matthau. just talking like Walter <laughs> Matthau the whole movie. <laughs> Anyway, what were we talking about? Uh, so, <laughs> soundtrack. yeah, that um, we are now headed to the. What I was going to say is that you lose a Charlton Heston, but what you gain in the next scenes is that's, Bill Paxton. That's true, and it's a fair trade because, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's true. Bill Bill Paxton is a, a you know his recent passing is a big loss. This may be. There's a lot of stuff I like with Bill. This may be my favorite role of his. Yeah, it's really great and. This is the thing where, as I said at the start of the podcast, you can cut all of this stuff out. It does not change the action movie at all. No. But I will tell you that I'm glad it exists because Bill Paxton, is, and everybody that, does, that this entire subplot is great, but Bill Paxton steals the show. I mean, I think this should have just been the whole movie. I mean, this is the part where they're remaking the French movie, and I just think there's more... Well, I think the action movie part, the first half hour and the last 40 minutes, whatever it is, it's good. It's a very, very well-made and, you know, there's a lot of great sequences. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not that remarkable. There are memorable things, but it doesn't stand out from other action movies. If you movies. say what, if, if you take, took out this middle section, you'd say, what is True Lies about? Or like, what, what distinguishes it from other action movies? There wouldn't really be much. I mean, this section is the thing that distinguishes True Lies from a more generic action movie. Yeah. So I feel like they should have just made this the focus. Don't have a nuclear bomb. Like, no. you know, that's the thing. It's like, oh, it, it's almost like it's hard to really 
get invested in this domestic drama when in the back of your mind you're going like, there's a nuclear bomb that might explode at some point. <laughs> you know, I get that this is a hard time. Your wife might be having an affair, but, you know, hey, you got a duty to your country, there's buddy. Bigger, bigger issues. I'm going to divert resources to catch my wife in the act. Yeah. Someone uh, might explode a nuclear bomb, but I don't care. You know? <laughs> so, this, so the middle section, too, it kind of reminded me, and I had a note that, and you're going to ask me if I've watched it, and I haven't, but it, it reminded me that what sets this apart and makes this a more memorable action movie is this middle part. And it's also the comedy aspect is if looks could kill, but it's way better than if looks could kill, oh. right? It executes far better. And no, I have not watched that recently. I know I said I would. I have I not get yet. It. It's not, it's not I just, a high priority. I just, yeah, I have so many things going on. But so you're probably right that if they had just made this and expanded this, it's probably just as memorable, if not a more memorable and probably a better movie. It's just not what they chose to do. Yeah, well, imagine if if Looks Could Kill was directed by James Cameron. Oh, I can't even <laughs> imagine. It'd be like an amazing movie. Uh, so the French teacher. See, the, the, you know, uh, uh, Charlton Heston should oh, play the, the French oh, teacher. The Charlton Heston just saying, the French teacher. You must get the French teacher. That would be great. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- th- this stuff is great. No question about it. Like, I, I just wish it, it's as much of an awkward fit as it, it is from here until kind of Bill Paxton leaves the movie. I mean, it's, it's really, really funny and his performance is great. You're right. Arnold is giving a great performance. Like the Tom moment. Arnold is. Everybody is. So, so I know I, I have to carry the water, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to carry it a little bit and help you. So the, the way it starts is he, Harry's going to go and surprise Helen to make up for blowing off the birthday, basically, and ask oh, her to lunch. And, right. and we, he we dis- did skip over the sequence where he comes home at like midnight. Yeah. Which, by the way, what is the story he's telling to oh, her? I, that he left something in the office and he had to tear <laughs> the entire office apart. I, I guess that maybe would explain it. It's like but, he couldn't find his keys or something. Yeah, but it, it, it's a terrible cover. Like so many, it's a terrible cover story. The one thing I do want to point out, because I, I hadn't up until this point, the interesting thing is that the only two characters that I think are totally honest with each other that have any significant screen time, because Charlton Heston, let's throw him out. Yeah. Tom Arnold and Arnold Schwarzenegger, Harry and Gibb are the only ones that are honest with each other. Everybody else is dishonest with one another. I don't yeah. know if you noticed that or not. I guess that's true. Yeah. So it, it was interesting to me. Anyway. Yeah. Everyone's lying about something. To, to the others. I mean, it just depends on what degree that they're lying about. I mean, Gibb isn't lying to anybody about anything. So that's, he's the most honest character in the movie. For the most part. But he's, he's lying. I mean, it's part of the cover. But he's lying to Helen. He's covering. But he, he I guess has to. It's his right. job. You're right. Yeah, yeah. That's true. But it's certainly not malicious. I mean, he's just, and he's covering for Harry. He's not lying about stuff about him personally. It, it's weird how I didn't really think much about the lying part, considering that the word lies is in the title of the movie. Like, no, I, for some I, reason, it didn't really register no. with me. Well, I, that's the reason I brought it up. Is, but anyway. Yeah. So, so then, yeah, so he's going to try and make it up to her, and he's going to surprise her for lunch. And this is where he discovers that, you know, she's having uh, clandestine or, you know, meeting. Right. With and, Simon. With Simon. And, um, so his despair as he walks out, and it's one of the things I still remember from 1994. The delivery of the line <laughs> is he almost gets hit by the bus from Tom Arnold is awesome. Yeah, we can't uh, no the we, line. We'd bleep it out, but I hit. I, it's so believable, and I, I absolutely. I mean, I remembered it from 20 plus years ago. It, it also feels like an ad lib because it, like it seems like he's about to deliver his next line of dialogue, and then he goes like, "I'm gonna deliver this to Instead. the bus driver." Tom Arnold. I mean, this scene is really good because he's funny, but also he's, he's trying to the make, club and all that. He's trying to make Harry feel better. Yeah, to make him feel better, including he also has, and I, I've used, I love this one, that says, you remember my second wife? I came home, 
I was totally caught off guard. Came home, whole place was cleared out. Whole place. She took the ice cube trays from the freezer. What kind of a sick bitch takes the ice cube trays from? Yeah. And that is a. And I, I think I've read that allegedly that's what Roseanne did to yes, him. Yes, allegedly that was a bit of research I did do. Yes, <laughs> that took the ice cream trays. And if so, I tip my cap to her because that's awesome. Yeah, maybe that's why Tom Arnold's performance is so good. Is because it's, it's close to he's home. He's got this fresh uh, emotional wound that he's able to tap into. Because that was probably like a year before this. Couldn't have been that much longer. Their divorce couldn't have been. Oh yeah, no, it, it much I, before this. Not too much, but enough where he was removed from her that they were, you know, willing to kind of take a chance on him. But it's probably like a year or no more than two, as you said. Yeah. Uh, and I just had so just as an overview, th- this this whole subplot it easily could derail, and it just doesn't. There are some things in it I don't like because. Uh, <laughs> Here, when Gibb is trying to make him feel better after they've decided they're going to tail him to this restaurant because Simon needs to meet Helen. So they've set it up, or Gibb is in the van. Well, they don't tell him here, tell her here, right? Like, she goes to see Simon, but we don't see what happens there, I don't think. No. And then they have dinner, and he's like, oh, you must have had an exciting day. I came by, and you weren't there. They have dinner, and she's making up this really elaborate lie of why she wasn't there when he came to, to see her for lunch. Right, yeah. And then he steals her bag to... You know, line it with the um, recording the- device and the tracking device. Yeah. And this is another one of those dated references because there's a Sally Jesse Raphael reference. Where oh, I right. I'm like, oh, I wish that wasn't in there. Yeah, that's that's one of those bad references. Like, yeah, no and, one's even going to know what that is anymore. And it, and I'm not blaming Tom Arnold. He's the one who has the line. But I cringe because I'm like, eh, you shouldn't have written that in there. Yeah, I take back what I said. That's kind of a groaner. That yeah. doesn't really but, <laughs> land but it, as a but joke. It's not, but it's not his fault. He's trying his best to make he, it work. Right, with the material. It, it is not, not a good one. Uh, but he follows it up with a good one because Harry's listening to him not in the least as he's trying to give him social advice. And yeah. he basically is walking away. If you need to talk, Harry, just speak into the purse, which is a really good line. <laughs> right. Uh, and then so the next day is then when they're actually tailing Helen to the Chinese restaurant. Have they started uh, tapping phones and stuff? Because I, I, I didn't uh, take any notes here. So I, the, the order of things... Because when does he decide, like, you know, we're going to use, you know, our resources to, to, to the, tailor and tap her phones and all that? And so that's when he basically is asking Gibb to go get the materials that they're putting into her purse is when he first says we're going to divert resources for that. And it pr- escalates where they're then bringing in choppers. <laughs> the, the and, yeah, and all kinds of stuff. That's great. Um, and so then the this is when you finally actually see Bill Paxton for the first time in this Chinese restaurant. And it is so great. Yeah. I mean, it's... Cairo is a day at the beach compared to this. Right. I love the two of them sitting in the car laughing at the guy. <laughs> you right. know, they're just like... He's, he's taking credit for our moves. Yeah. Um, but no, but just the, the, their gradual like realization of what's actually going on. Because at first they think Bill Paxton's a real spy. Right. They're like, oh, maybe he's working her to get to you. Right. Working Helen. <laughs> and it becomes clear that he's just... Immediately BS. that he's, he's taking credit for what they did. Yeah. And then when they tail him, I, I have you... When they when they realize he's he's a goddamn used car salesman. <laughs> no, no. And, and Gibbs says, this just keeps getting better and better. And Harry looks at him like he's going to basically murder him. He's like, well... I, you know, you got to admit, admit, yeah. If, yeah. if this was happening to anybody else, you'd be laughing with me right now. Yeah. No, and doesn't he like crush the binoculars as they're spying on? Yeah, them? which was a little bit over the top. Yeah, a little bit. No, but Bill Paxton, I think what really makes this performance funny is that he's playing a character who's who's playing a character. You know what I mean? Like 
Right. The guy, the used car sales, the used car sales, the you car used car. I, I cannot say it. I can't speak. <laughs> used car used salesman. car salesman is playing his idea of what a secret agent is. Yeah. And that's the thing that's so funny is his what he imagines the life of a secret agent. He's just like it's a know. cartoon. Yeah, it really is a cartoon. He's James Bond Jr. basically. Like, <laughs> I forgot about James Bond. <laughs> James Bond Jr. That was my introduction to James Bond, which is so was sad. Was it really? Yeah, I I'd, I'd never seen a James Bond movie, but, oh. but I used to watch James Bond Jr. I'm going to have to look. I'm sure those are on YouTube. I have not seen those since they were on the air. They're on YouTube and they're bad. Are they awful? They're bad. <laughs> they're really bad. This <laughs> his nephew, not his son, which is the crazy part. Well, no. <laughs> James Bond Jr., my nephew. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't realize that. That's the story? <laughs> That's the story. Junior it's, is his nephew? How does that work? It doesn't make any sense. It's in the, it's in the theme song. Something, something, his nephew, James. I don't know. <laughs> I remember being the nephew. <laughs> but so I, wait a minute, James Bond had a brother named James? <laughs> I guess so. Even though we know for a fact he has no brothers, his, he was an only child whose parents were killed yes. in a skiing accident or whatever it was. Definitively does not have <laughs> a brother <laughs> named James Bond. We have just destroyed James Bond Jr. The whole premise is absurd. It's like the dumb code name theory. It's like there's a million James Bonds. Yes. You know about that, right? I hate it so much. No. The, the theory, it's a fan theory. I, I hate all fan theories. Fan theories in general are just stupid. They're just like, Darth Jar Jar is a perfect example. <laughs> no, Jar Jar's behind it all. He's actually a secret Sith Lord. People have theories about stuff like that. Oh, that's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I hate it. And one of them is James Bond is a code name that different people take on the name James Bond when they become 007. That each each actor who played James Bond, that dumb. character, yeah, it's no, stupid. That's whatever. Yeah, yeah. no, that is dumb. <laughs> so I maybe that explains you. that his nephew named James Bond. <laughs> he's taking the mantle of James Bond from his uncle James Bond. But he's he's adding a junior on. But it. their actual names are like you know Adam Smithy and right. then his nephew Bill Smithy. But when they become spies, they all become they James all become Bond. James Bond, and he's James Bond Junior. Anyway, sorry. Uh, okay, so getting back on track. The um, Harry goes and wants to take the Corvette for a test drive, and the line that still sticks with me to this day is, let's face it, the vet gets them wet. It is so awesome and so slimy. And we so- can't say that on this podcast. Yes, we absolutely can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's so slimy. That's the thing. Like When you're seeing who this guy really is, it's it's still funny, but it's just like, Oh, this guy is so gross. Like it's oh. it's in a funny way, but just like man, oh man, when when he punches him, you think he's killed him. It's like you know he deserved it. Yeah, he absolutely deserved yeah. it. Yeah. So, and the thing is, is I, the character Chet is not Chet. Uh, great. <laughs> What's his, I, I don't know this character's name. Uh, we'll call I just him, know Simon. Uh, well, that's what he, he goes by Simon, and then also Carlos the Jackal, <laughs> right? Which is awesome. I think you could evade his Carlos. Carlos. Um, that. With a different actor, this could it's a it's portrayed as a cartoon sleazeball. I mean it really is, but I I'd still think I Bill Paxton is so charismatic. He holds it together, but a weaker actor, this this would be a disaster. Oh yeah, no question about it. He pulls it off. Totally right. pulls it, it, it it's off. It's a very broad character and you need to be a really good actor to not make this just yeah, totally unbelievable and phony. Right. And there's not a phony bone in in Bill Paxton's body. Like I mean, even when he was playing the guy in Predator 2, you know, you still believed that that guy was real. It just wasn't interesting. Like, yes. That was not his best performance, but 
His, 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 he's always watchable. His least impressive performance is better than many others, and yeah. th- this is one of his better ones. So a- after, uh, well, the line I, about in that scene that I really love is when he's talking about like ah, you know. I, I find these housewives and Arnold's like, what about the husbands? Yeah, if they were taking care of business, I'd be out, out of business. business. And then and then Arnold goes, ha, 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 those idiots. <laughs> you know, he's just I'm, containing his rage. He's barely holding on. The way Arnold delivers that line, ha, 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 those idiots. So then as we get to the end, Arnold, of course, perfectly revs up the car and parks it perfectly. Yeah. And then says, let me. Well, his stuntman does. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> touche. I missed that one, too. Uh, he, he tells Simon that he needs to think about it. So, you know, Simon's trying to give him the, the Jerry Lundegaard, that salesman pitch that he's, he's got, he's got a, another buyer that's on the hook and he doesn't have all the time. The way Bill Paxton says that when he asks for a, a day or so to think about it, hey, because it's you. Yeah. So perfect. Yeah, I mean, used car salesman is a very cliched kind of a part, but nothing feels cliche about his performance. I mean, it still is cliche, but I, you just... I mean, still again, a used car salesman. Yeah, he's so charismatic in it that you completely buy into it. So then you cut to... It's either the next day or two days later, and... Harry is reading through a transcript. Oh, this is the part I was remembering. I couldn't remember where it was. Yeah, because yeah. uh, this is they've deployed resources <laughs> that they've tapped the phones, and he's reading the transcript. And this is again a signature Arnold. He breaks a car window with his fist. Yeah. Give me the page. He's just cursing there. I mean, I'll bet fifty percent of movies Arnold Schwarzenegger's in, he's breaking a, a window. car window with his fist. Absolutely. Yeah. No. This is just out of anger. He's just not even yes. like, you know. Uh, again, a very James Cameron thing. All three, all three James Cameron Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Someone goes through a, a store window, and someone punches through a car window, and it's mostly Arnold yeah, most of the time. A lot, a lot of broken glass. So then, this is where he decides he's really going all in in terms of misallocation of resources. That he's asking <laughs> yeah. existing surveillance of a terrorist to be redeployed. To following his wife. Well, Simon or whatever his name is, this is he's making his final push. It's yeah. like this is uh, the night he's, he's making his move. He's, he's closing the deal. So luckily, it's a good thing that Arnold or that Harry insisted to give, give him the page because who knows what would have happened if he hadn't intervened. Like she's kind of going along with it in a lot of ways. Yeah, but in the end, Helen doesn't go she, all the way. She doesn't. But he had a few tricks. So he's still he hasn't given up yet. Give it, give it when enough they, when time. They crash into his. Yeah, you're saying given enough time, he might have been able to close the deal in the true coat. I think he's a very persistent man, Simon. And uh, you know, I'm not entirely convinced that uh, she would have walked away. You know, if, if not for Harry and his his buddies uh, bursting into the. Did Did you notice on the his, chopper Condor whose uh, whose voice it is? I didn't notice, but I did read it. Okay, I, it, I, I didn't recognize it, but yeah, it's. I I've got the line too. Oh yeah, she's got her head in the guy's lap. All right, Yahoo! <laughs> it's not Being even James Cameron. I don't even think it's that. It, I think what's funny about it to me is how flat it is. He doesn't go Yahoo. He goes Yahoo. Does he? Yeah, it's more flat. Yep, she's got her, her oh. head in his lap. All right, Yahoo. And so it's they, a lot more flat, than the, but it, it's it's yeah. So Simon is pretty thorough because he's got airline tickets printed out, and the the concept is is that he needs her to pretend to be his wife for this trip to Paris. Oh, well, Simon is very good at props. Like he really does, you know. He's a prop master. Yeah, he, whatever his cover story is, he's making sure that there's enough evidence to confirm. 
Because we learn in a minute, we'll, we'll learn how she first met him when he drops off that briefcase. It's like, take care of this for me. And he With runs a off. Pistol and maps and a bunch yeah, of stuff. Yeah, all, all kinds of stuff. And like money from in different uh, currencies. And when you really think about it, that's a big risk because that stuff probably cost a bunch of money to put together. And yeah. if she didn't take the bait, how many times has he tried this that it didn't work? He has invested a lot of time and money and effort into this little scheme of his. Uh, yes. you know. And oh, how, well, good. I was just saying, how many other Helens just said, I'm putting this in the garbage? Right. Is, is it one at a time? He has one briefcase that he goes from woman to woman? Or does he have like 20 of these just out in the world, you know, at I one time? I think he's got 20 because Helen could have just picked it up and said, ah, forget this. I'm throwing it out. And he'd never get it back. Right. Well, the, the thing is. We're kind of skipping ahead because we only learn this later, but whatever. Like He drops off this, this briefcase. This is how he first meets her. He's like, oh, take care of this. You know, pretending to be like in trouble or whatever. She pries it open. Yeah, maps, and there's a gun in there. What's the story? What's he keeping secret? Like, I can't let these maps fall in the wrong hands. <laughs> I mean, there's a gun in there, but that's... Not, you know. Cartography is too important to national security. <laughs> so I don't know what his story was to her. It's like, thanks for taking care of that for me. He must have, like spun some kind of yarn about like the nuclear codes were in the lining of the briefcase or something. <laughs> I just wonder what he's trying to convince her is actually happening. Well, she needs to go to Paris or he needs to go to Paris and he needs a good cover story. Yeah. She needs to pose as his wife. And, uh, so she initially kind of is going along with, well, no, it, she resists at first and then decides that she wants some adventure in her life and that she's going to do it. Yeah. She's going to do it. And then uh, he says, well, they need to be convincing. And this is where he's really trying to close the deal. That's the thing. Like, she's committed to going to Paris yeah. with him. That's why I'm saying. Like, she's, There's some pretty big lies she's going to have to tell to go to Paris with him. Well, that's true. I mean, I'm sure she didn't think it through at that point. But I'm saying, like, she's really gone pretty far down this path. I don't think it was necessarily over at that point. Like, she didn't leave. No. But And I also, I, I skipped over Bill Paxson's the look on his face when he says, yeah, I've got to go to Paris. Maybe with a quick stop over in London. And, oh, right. and the, like the smirk he gives when she can't see his face is so perfect. Aren't you probably doing a stop over in London regardless? Like, well, I mean, it probably depends on where you're flying. No, you, yeah, you can get direct flight to Paris from from DC. But it's not sure. like it's it's like this exotic thing. Like stop over in London. That's yeah. unusual. Huh? <laughs> you know, it's like I'm, that wouldn't wouldn't be surprising at all. Uh, and so when he can't close the deal, that's the other, his, his final plea before they burst through the door. Well, it's not even the door. They just cut the thing in this poor trailer. Right. Um, his open. trailer, which is his safe house. is like, oh, you know, <laughs> the, the house <laughs> in New York is too hot right now. <laughs> right. I do like that. His justification for like, I don't live here in this trailer, <laughs> you know? Uh, but if not for me, do it for your country. Yeah. It's so, so awesome. It is great. Maybe that would have worked though. We don't. We don't get her response. You're right because they, <laughs> they burst in and they uh, burst in. Helen does not go quietly. She 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 takes poor Gib, gets him right in the nuts. Yeah. And then uh, what what I love is you got an overhead shot from like the condor as the entire scene is out playing out, and you just hear Simon <laughs> take her, take her, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't hurt me is actually the take her, take her, don't hurt me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course, this guy is a total coward. Like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, then, and, I, and also, I like the guy who, like, he rifle butts Helen Arnold immediately <laughs> yeah. just jacks him and there he comes over and punches him. Yeah. Um, that's a funny moment. I think that's from the French movie. Like, a lot of this stuff from the sequence, it's like, oh, you, you said it's shot for shot, right? It's, it's very, a lot of this stuff is just taken directly from that movie. Yeah. Uh, so then I, I don't know if this is like a Omega sector black site or what, where they take her, but uh, they effectively got her in a, uh, an interrogation room. Yeah. 
disguise in the voice. So the only I, I don't I have detailed notes on this. Most of the stuff it's basically Harry is just trying to find out whether or not she has slept with somebody else. Yeah. Um, with all the lying going on and all that he's done, I I know he cares, but it seems a little bit disingenuous that he should push this hard because I'm sure for country he's done far worse things. You think so? Yeah, I think so. You think he's absolutely he's James Bonding it up out there? Yeah, and with no James Bond Junior. However. <laughs> Maybe. I, I, they should have addressed it when he had the truth serum later. It didn't even occur to me, but yeah, it, it's, it's a question that remains unanswered. Yeah. Oh, I, I think so. so I the, mean, the movie never really intimates what, that that's true. I would think it would have come up. It's just, to me, it's a long line of questioning trying to get at that. And, it's a possibility that exists that is never addressed. And yeah. yeah, now that you bring it up, you're right. They should have ruled that out or just be like, I've never, you know. No, but I, 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 you're right, they should have, but I don't think it's true because I think you would have. But either way, what, what I had on this, because the actual questions aren't, I, I don't think, that important. But I think Jamie Lee Curtis is delivering a really good performance. Yeah, I agree. This is a showcase scene for, for her, her. Without a doubt. Yeah. And I think she delivers a great performance. And effectively, what you get to the end is really she just was looking for some adventure in life. And so he, Harry decides he's going to give her some adventure, which Gib, Gib has been the voice of reason all along in this, and Harry's just not listening to anything on this. Does he say, I forget if Gib, he, does he say, we're not doing this? You're not using resources to like come up with a little, little fantasy? Well, he kind of goes along with it, doesn't he? He goes along with it, but he keeps telling him that it's not a good idea. Before that, before pulling the helicopter is when Harry pulls some skeletons out of oh, Gib, right, Gib's yes. closet. He says, all right, yeah, let's, uh, let's get this guy. Yeah, Gib clearly has a history of doing <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. absolutely for sure. There's probably a reason his ex-wife took the ice cube trays. Yeah. That is a funny like, line where he's just like, okay, let's just take fifth. Or, you know, like, it's, it's, you know he, he commits immediately afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then so it's the Boris and Doris, effectively. The Doris cover story is, um, is given here. And uh, they basically drop Helen back off at her car. And she's to await further instructions. And then, unfortunately, it's not the very end of Bill Paxton, but we're not going to see him again for a while. Yeah. Him pleading for his life reminded me of something that I hadn't thought about. It reminded me of the introduction to Saul Goodman in Breaking Bad, yeah. outside of his commercials, where they drive him out into the middle of nowhere, and he think, you know, Saul is trying to frantically go through his mind of who... Who that he's pissed off in his life or is about to kill him? Yeah, it's, it's not. Similar. It's not the. It's not exactly the same. It was Ignacio. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't me. It was Ignacio. <laughs> so uh, it put a dollar in my pocket. Um, but the well, but Simon has no idea. No, what, I mean, he he. You would think, or does wait? Does he assume that they're like some like angry husband, or does he think that? He assumes it's some play out. He assumes it's some like angry husband. He doesn't know what's going on, and then he basically saying he first says, "Hey, you know, you guys, just please let me go. I haven't seen your face." And they immediately take off (laughs) their masks. Oh, it's you. Yeah, and then right then he, (laughs) I like that he's still trying to like close him on the Corvette deal. Salesman to the end, this guy. Yes. Uh, but, you know, he, he makes the plea, you know, I'm not a spy. Hello, Carlos. Did you, you think you could, you know, hide <laughs> from us? Would a spy pee himself? He just completely wets himself right there. Or he's the greatest spy who is so good at convincing them that he's not a spy that he peed himself. He's selling it. And um, so eventually, yeah, they're like, look, just get lost. He offers and, to give him the car. Like, you can have the car for free. Or yeah. Get lost. I, I don't want it. And I do love... Tom Arnold shooting at the ground, get lost, dipshit. Yeah. Like he, he, 
probably wisely, Paxton's Simon thinks, no, as soon as I turn my back, you guys are just going to shoot me in the back. I, why would he think that, though? You're saying because wisely. That's, because that's what's in the movies. That's what happens. People say, yeah, fine, you can you, no, you can go, and then they just kill you anyway. So it's a take the cannoli kind of a situation? Exactly. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I guess so. But if they're going to shoot him, why wait till he turns his back? If they're going to shoot him in the face, what difference does it make? Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's too bad that they couldn't find a way for him to come along for the rest of the movie. I think that's the one thing I kind of wish. And I think it would have helped to connect the two sections. It's like if he got wrapped up and was like in like on that nuclear island with them, like he tagging along, kidnapped along with them. Yeah, I mean, maybe it would have felt a little bit too like he's the here's the comic relief character. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, maybe it wouldn't have been good, but I just it's really too bad. Both him and Charlton Heston needed more scenes. I, I don't know how you accomplish that, but I I don't know. I think we maybe have just enough. Of, I like Paxton, but. It's one of those, for me, it might be less is more. I think if you got too much, it might have been over the top. But, like, maybe spread it out more somehow. Because, like, once he's out of the movie, yeah, the life kind of drains out of the movie a little bit. Like, yeah. Yeah, the rest of it's fine. There's good stuff and there's good action scenes, but it does. there's, just there's nothing, something missing yeah. that drives it forward. Well, so at family dinner, there's a call, and, and Doris is already getting her assignment. What I, I really like is, and maybe this is another French connection, I like that they've got, you know, that uh, this guy's doing this voiceover for Harry to use. And just, he just, who, who wrote this you know, garbage? Oh, yeah, that guy, the French guy. The French guy is, c'est la merde. C'est la merde. <laughs> yeah. absolutely love that. What is this guy's job? His job is just to be a Frenchman? Yes. Like, whenever they need a French guy is like, their cover? Well, the Omega. The Fr- he's the French teacher. That's, that's who he is. <laughs> We've just solved it. It would be great if Charlton Heston said, Why has somebody redeployed the French teacher? Do it doucement, very slowly. Uh, And so part of her assignment is that uh, she has to dress sexy. And this prom prom dress of sexy is awesome. It probably was her prom dress. That's the thing. It's 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 ridiculous. so ridiculous. Fortunately, it can be torn into a much sexier dress. And perfectly. Perfectly, yeah. I was a few frayed ends, and then she kind of just picks them but off. Not and, very much. Yeah, yeah. She goes to the front desk, and she has like a, a envelope for her. Yeah, for, and for Doris. For no, for well, yes, Doris. But her cover name is the prostitute is Michelle. Oh right, uh, I forgot she was posing as a prostitute. That's right. She's yeah, like, practicing in the mirror. Yes, like oh, do you like or whatever she's doing? And um, so yeah, she she goes in and. Uh, so she's supposed to plant this bug is basically what it is. And I think the plan is for, the, I think, right, Harry is then going to reveal. Yeah, it was me all along. And right. now we've got this hotel for the night. So yeah, that's, yeah, for sure. Right. I don't know if he tells her at that point that he's a spy or if it was just like uh, Michael Douglas in the game, that it was just, just this elaborate uh, like birthday present or something. I know it was his birthday and not hers, but. That's a good question. I assumed that he was going to tell her. You think he would have tried to still play it off as like... I think so. I paid a company to pretend like you had a spy adventure. Because I, I can understand why you think he would tell her, but I don't, I don't think his plan was to do that. Okay. I think it was to have a really elaborate... It would be a lie, and that, but I think his plan was no, he wasn't going to tell her. Maybe. I never thought about it. Yeah, cause, I mean, he never says that he's going to come clean. So yeah, even, see, I always just assumed, like, oh, this is the part where he decides he's going to admit to her... That he's a spy. Right. But yeah, he only told her when he was forced to. See, in my mind, it was like, oh, I'll I'll finally tell her. And then, oh, she learns in the worst way possible. What a mess. But see, I thought he was 
he had decided to tell her. Maybe I'm just a cynic. <laughs> I mean, maybe you're right. You you could be right, it, but it, I I walk out of this movie thinking he had no intention of telling. Well, her. which one is better? Which one is more interesting from his character point of view? Because I, I feel like if he intends to tell her and it gets followed up, that gives him more of an arc. Like, oh, he's learned his lesson. You know, it's like the moment in Jingle All the Way, or I'm going to spend time with my son. It's like, he, he, yeah, he doesn't. He never has that moment of oh. like I'm going to complete. No, fate forces his hand. He never becomes a more honest person. He just has no choice in the matter. No. <laughs> so I mean, but maybe this movie isn't doesn't care. No, it's not the kind of movie either. where he he grows as a person. He's just a, a kind of movie where he murders a lot of people. Yeah, I think for the most part, other than her accidentally finding out, he comes out the other side the exact same person he was at the beginning. I guess. So, so you're saying he never had any intention of coming clean. I can't say it definitively, but that's what I think. Okay. So, I, you can I, tell I, me yeah. I'm crazy, but that's what I think. It's interesting. That, we both saw the same scene in a very different... Because I, I totally watched this going like, oh, he's decided that he's going to stop lying to her. That's what this whole thing is about. In, is It's an elaborate lie, but for the end goal of coming clean. In the end, it gets there. So either way, it, it gets to there where he, she, she finds out. But before then, I remember Jamie Lee's you know, striptease, whatever, in, in the trailer, at least parts of it. Yeah, I mean, look, she looks great. It's true. <laughs> she looks... Great, but Jamie Lee Curtis trying to be sexy. I just don't. I've never thought of her as like a sex, like symbol? sex symbol. I can understand. That. I mean, we're supposed to because he, he Arnold's sitting there with his tape recorder. You know, that's funny when he has to rewind. This, yeah, because it doesn't have the, the re- it will rewind. Oh, it. <laughs> right, which I'm not wearing any stockings. <laughs> that's good. Take them off. You know, <laughs> that, <laughs> trying and, to fast forward. Yeah, and see that to me, I I really enjoyed that because that's really real, right? Because yeah, to really believe that all the lines would work perfectly, <laughs> yeah. there's no way. Yeah, that is great. Well, it's the greatest uh, like cassette speaker in the world, or it sounds like a guy actually in the room. <laughs> this is 1994. I don't know, but whatever. Um, but yeah, the part the part where he like he drops the cassette because he's like, oh my god, now she's so sexy. It's like, I don't think at any point like when she's like doing the striptease stuff, I'd find it a little bit laughable. It's really, like, all right. She still looks pretty like awkward and not. All know? right. Well, she looks great though. Well, either way, when uh, Harry goes to close the deal, and uh, you know she thought that there wouldn't have to be any sex involved, he tells her to lie on the bed, and I, you know, he's got a rose. He's going to come clean with something that at a bare minimum. That it was him behind all of this. Right. Whether or not he was going to really come clean on being, being honest about who he really is, I will never know. Because uh, <laughs> she jacks him in the face with a, with yeah, a phone. Uh, another thing, I guess, in 1994 would be in hotels. I guess hotels still have yeah, phones. Hotels in them. still have phones. Nobody probably uses them, but they're still there. <laughs> they're just wake up call machines. Yes. This is all they are at this point. Uh, but Aziz's guys come and burst in through the door. Can you tell me how do they know he's there? Yeah, I don't know. There must be some kind of missing step. I think the real problem is there's too much of a time gap. Because the Sand Spider, when they fight in the bathroom at the mall, they, the reason why that happens is because he's being trailed. Remember, because way, way, yep. like almost an hour earlier at this point, so much. The, the, the terrorist plot has been out of the movie for so long. That, yeah, it's like, what? Oh, these guys, right. There's a nuclear. I forgot about these terrorists. So, like, so, I, I guess we're supposed to believe that the Sand Spider has been trailing him this whole time. Because that's how he found him at the mall. I, you, and ha- you, yeah. you have to make that leap, but also because some of the surveillance team got pulled off of him, maybe that has some of an impact that he's more... For, but I still don't know how he finds Harry. Well, also, what does he care about Harry? Why, I don't know why he attacked him at the mall. I don't know why he's kidnapping them now. 
His goal is to blow Be- up a nuke. Because he's the hero. <laughs> I guess he's such a threat. So, you know, but other than that, we want to blow, blow, explode a nuclear device, but this guy, Harry, Harry Rehnquist, he's, he's dangerous. We can't make a move until we kill him. <laughs> I mean, really, it, it, why is he sticking his neck out to kidnap Harry or you know, any of it? Outside of him being the hero, that's probably the only reason why. Yeah. And also, so, they fly him down to the Keys. Yes. Uh, I guess that's where his nukes are, but whatever. It's like I, I do enjoy that uh, Helen tries saying that she's the one that... <laughs> they want when he's when harry's oh, saying the exact same thing <laughs> yeah harry leave this to me or whatever she's saying like, yeah. yeah that's that's good let the hooker go guys you don't need her <laughs> right yeah i mean it's a it's a fun kind of the setup of this is fun the fact that she thinks she's the spy and right. you know that's great but now that you've ruined it for me and now i know it was just blatantly ripped off of a french movie i don't know if that part was in the french movie because i don't understand french and it wasn't oh. subtitled so i don't know what she's saying in the french movie gotcha i don't even know if i saw that part this is the part where it starts to diverge again. Because I know in the French movie, all the stuff with the truth serum is definitely not there. He just kind of like picks a lock or something to oh. escape. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely some James Cameron touches. I was going to say, because the, the truth serum is a big ad. Yeah, definitely. Juno shows up again. and she, Yeah, she's got a limo and a... She's really living the high life. Yeah. She's spending a lot of money. I mean, yeah, she, she's she got a $2 million payment from, uh, what are, from Switzerland guy. Yes, so... Um, the uh, this is she re- reveals they call them the four horsemen warrior figures and basically that's where they've they've hidden hidden the nuclear. I, can you yeah. explain to me what I had is how do they get the weapons inside there? I had the exact same question. <laughs> yeah, I don't. know. I never thought about that as a kid. Or you know we weren't kids, but you know in theaters. Well, also, so presumably they they brought them to the Florida Keys to avoid customs, right? But did anyone even look at these in the, in the first place? Did they just drive a boat up to an island? And, like, I don't why, know. why bother with all the subterfuge? Because, okay, yeah, this, it doesn't make sense. Because the reason why they're in the Florida Keys, we learn later, is because so they can take the highway, and Highway drive, 1, or whatever. Yeah, and drive them up. There's no customs. They can go wherever they want. But if the whole reason to hide them in the Four Horsemen is to get them through customs, then... Why not just take it right to yeah, it's one New or, York or whatever? One or the other, right? Like, there's no need to hide them in antiquities. If they're just going to drive through drive the keys. Drive them up on a truck. Yeah, something's missing. I don't understand it. No, you're right. And also, yes, how did they get them in the, the sculptures? I, or I didn't connect once you already have them on the boat and get them to the Florida Keys. What's the difference between offloading them there and in New York, right? I mean, there, there really isn't any difference. And also the idea that this, because we're told this is an uninhabited island in the Keys, because they blow up a nuke, so they want to make sure we know for sure that nobody was killed. Nobody killed by it, yeah. Um, but it's an uninhabited, but it's connected by highway? <laughs> it's like a bridge to nowhere situation. It's like, well, well, why is this highway connecting to an uninhabited island? Because, like you learn in Falling Down, they needed to justify their overinflated budgets. They had to spend the money that was allocated last year, or they wouldn't <laughs> right. get enough the same amount next year. I guess so. It's just, uh, but okay, so but but it's not uninhabited, right? Because there's like factory, uh, like warehouses there, or whatever. So it was inhabited at some point. Well, no, the workers just go there, work during the day, and then they drive <laughs> on that long bridge, they, like live in Key Largo and yeah. commute over to the other island. Maybe it doesn't hold up. You're right. A lot of things on this do not make sense. This, I mean, it just feels kind of slapped together. It's like ah, they hide them in antiquities and they drive across the bridge, and eh, you know, couple couple lines of dialogue. We take <laughs> right. care of how they got them there. Because really, the people aren't going to care when they got them there. They're going to like the line, do you know what this is? I know what this is. <laughs> yes. It's an espresso machine. Espresso machine. 
What's the number two? Oh, is? number two is my favorite. <laughs> the snow cone maker. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah. I mean, yeah, th- th- maybe that should have been the last one. Yeah, I think so. Is it a water heater? A hot water heater. Yeah. All three of them are great, and it was something that I remember 20-some years later laughing in theaters at. That's the thing. There's so many moments like that that are just really funny. Yeah. And Ar- it's Arnold's delivery, but the line, I mean, the lines themselves are funny on their own, but Arnold's delivery really sells yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how anyone could look at this and say Arnold is a bad actor. I agree. Because, man, yeah, his performance, it, it runs the gamut. Like, he's, he's funny, but also, like, when he learns that she's possibly having an affair, like... He's despondent. Yeah, like, he's given a great performance. Yeah. Uh, and so, finally, he has to come clean. And what can I say? I'm a spy. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of like, well, well. Yeah. <laughs> what, me worry? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then she punches him. Uh, yes. And uh, now I have here that what you said, the, the low battery. This is another one of those. It, I shouldn't be laughing at this because this is like a terrorist speech. It shouldn't be funny, but I have to admit how nervous that guy is. It's really funny. I to mean, me. it's, it, yeah, it's funny. I mean, <laughs> when something's funny, it's funny. And this is funny. <laughs> this is a thing that, that stuck in my head for years. For, anytime anything runs out of batteries, this, <laughs> this guy pops into my head. Batteries, Aziz. <laughs> That's what you think of? Yeah. I, I don't think as a kid I picked up that the villain's name was Aziz. So I just thought Arabic for batteries was <laughs> Bather Aziz, you know? I was like, oh, that must, that <laughs> must even better. That must be Arabic for batteries. Bather oh, Aziz. We're such ignorant monolingual <laughs> country that we are. But I can, I can see that. I see the rationale in yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's what I just assumed. Yeah. Well, also, in a minute, there's there's a thing I never understood. It's not Arabic, it's English. Arnold says a line, and I always assumed he was speaking Arabic, but he's speaking English, and I didn't understand what he was saying. It's when he's translating, he's like, oh, the pillar of fire will engulf the skies, whatever. He's, yeah. he's translating the guy's speech, and he goes, we're cool, we're badass, blah, 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 blah. He says, we're cool, we're badass, blah, 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 blah. I always thought he was saying something in Arabic, <laughs> saying like, just repeating the guy, blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, at least that's what the subtitles said. I'm sure that's what it is. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's just like, I'm not translating this anymore. It I never picked matter. up, we're cool, we're badass, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I, like, I, don't, I don't know what I prefer. I think I, I like it if he's just repeating back the Arabic. Like, I'm not going to translate because who cares what he's saying, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, so the, they're going to get batteries, and now I have that it's time for the interrogation with Samir. Yeah. I love the scene. It's one of the... Best scenes in any Arnold movie. Without a doubt. So funny. I mean, this, this scene is what partially makes me forgive all my problems with it. There's a lot that this washes away. There's a lot of sins in this movie, including something coming up that I hate. I hate Helen dropping the Uzi. I hate that really? moment. Yes, I do. Well, we'll get there. Um, but so, like, I, because of this scene that's not too far in front of it, it washes all that away. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, the character, the actor who plays Samir, speaking of uh, kind of chewing scenery, man, I love he's, this guy. He's, he's, he's selling the torturer. He's like in a different movie, this guy. Like, he doesn't realize he's an action movie. Like, he's like in a, a, in ha- he's like in a Hammer Horror Frankenstein movie or something. This will help. You know, he's giving him the injection. Right. <laughs> That's a little Vincent Price. And when he's, and he's like, uh, I, I want to play, the, there's two parts of the scene. There's the part at the beginning where he, he administers it, and then the part where he, he comes to do the interrogation. You want to play? I just want to play this scene. Yeah, go so, ahead. This is the second We're going to be long on this episode no matter what. I just love... His performance so much, this 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 torturer guy. 
Is there anything you want to tell me before we start? Yeah. Vincent Price. I'm yeah. going to kill you pretty soon. I mean, he really is like <laughs> the Crypt Keeper. How, exactly? First, I'm going to use you as a human shield. <laughs> then I'm going to kill this guard over there with the Patterson Troca on the table. And then I was thinking about breaking your neck. <laughs> thinking. And this what line. makes you think you can do all that? <laughs> you know my handcuffs? Hmm. I picked them. <laughs> and then his reaction <laughs> is awesome. And does exactly what he said he's going to do. Uh, and then, of course, the, the exchange between Helen and Harry before that. Yeah, before that. Are we going to die? Yep. <laughs> yeah. All of it is gold. Which, by the way, he, he presumably had this plan formulated, so he's still lying to her. Are we going to die? Yeah. But it's like, well, aren't you planning to pick the, your handcuffs and kill the guy? Yeah, but he doesn't know. I mean, the, the odds are, despite the fact that he's a hero and we know he's going to survive, the odds are they're probably dead in Yeah, his but mind. if this is an actual truth serum, shouldn't he be like, probably, but I have a secret but plan. To, but I have a plan to snap his neck. <laughs> yeah. And it works with, uh, without a hitch. And thinking about it now, it's been a long gap between our body count, but it really starts to stack up now. because yeah, we had all that uh, Bill Paxton stuff where nobody right. dies. Yeah, it really, this, this stuff, it ramps up quick. And that's, that's the thing I kind of wanted to talk about earlier in terms of, like, this is the point where it becomes a Schwarzenegger movie where he's just mowing guys down and he's, you know, this is just carnage, total, absolute carnage, more so than maybe any other movie except for Commando. He's really, really killing a lot of people here. Yeah. And I don't think it's that fun. I don't know why. This sequence, it's a long action sequence. And I don't know. I'm just not that into this whole thing on the island where he's, they, they're trying to break, away, break out and kill really? people. I mean, look, I, I'm not going to say that it's as much fun for me as Commando. Because Commando is just so over the top and so much of a cartoon. And you know that that's what it's supposed to be. That you're supposed to laugh at it. This is, I think, still trying to straddle that line. Yeah, maybe that's and what it still is. be serious, not super serious, but a little cartoony. See, to me, what I don't like is I, I'm, I'm good and I like this stuff. I don't. I wish the movie found a different ending because the last about 15 minutes is what I don't like. All the stuff with his daughter I, and the Harrier, I don't like. Yeah. Well, I mean, the bridge stuff is fun. Yeah, that should be the ending of the movie. When the bomb goes off, they need to then find a way to wrap up Aziz differently than they do. He should have been in the limo or something. Yeah. And then, and then that makes the kiss slash nuclear bomb. Perfect. For, yeah, that's, a perfect that's your ending. ending. And, then, and then you still can have the same actual ending they have of Boris and Doris works perfectly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, it's one too many action scenes. Yeah. So anyway, I, but I think also this scene could have been shortened a little bit. There's, that's the thing. There's fun stuff because he kills this guy with a hook. We got those two kills, and plus a guy comes in, he kills him with a hook. Yep. And that's fun. So that's 17. And then there's these guys, after they come out, and he, he like makes them stab each other. Like, takes yep. their arms, and, and they're, like, propping each other up. <laughs> yeah. And that should be fun, but I don't know. It's just not, you know. Oh, it was? See, to me, I kind of find that. I don't know. I feel I like I should be like, going, like, oh, that's awesome. But I don't know. It's not as awesome as it should be, I feel like. All right. I mean, it's not bad. I, it's, it's just, I don't know, it's just not as good as some other stuff. So that I just found my note on that. I have breaks a guy's necks, and then two guys give a knife hug. Is what, <laughs> yeah, that's what I have. It is a knife hug, yeah. Um, so those guys are 20. And then, yeah, th- this is a very commando moment where guys just run around a corner, just like, ah! And he just guns them down with a machine gun. They had no chance. They had no plan. They're just like, 
I don't even know if they have weapons. They're just charging at him. They're literally just there to be killed. Yes. So they're 23. And the guy takes her hostage and he just shoots him. He's, and Harry's pretty quick on that yeah. draw, too. Next time, duck. Yeah. 24. I, mar- uh, I married Rambo. Oh, yeah. I'm not a fan of that. I'm not either. I mean, that's part of the tradition of Arnold and Sly kind of ribbing each other, I think, a little bit. But I don't know. It's just not a good line. It is better, though, than uh, the reference to Rambo in Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash has the worst Rambo reference of all time. I'm not going to disagree with you, and that's <laughs> not a great action movie either. Uh, it has its moments. All right. But anyway, yes, this is where we're, he's translating the speech. Uh, I kind of already talked about that. Oh, and this is Spider-Man's down and snaps another guy's neck. <laughs> I didn't have Spider-Man. That is good, but that is exactly what it is. It's 26. Uh, and he throws a grenade and there's an explosion, which is tough. I, I don't know if you, what you have here. So I have a question mark. I have grenade gets, question mark, and I have five. I have five. That's bing, I bing, love bing. it when a plan comes together. That's the number. We're going with five. Right, so that's 31. It's amazing how every time I'm not sure, and almost always you have the same number. So it's like this is some, some real due diligence we're doing here. <laughs> All this hard work's paying off. I, I do I, like That's those. why I couldn't watch the whole movie because I knew it was going to be a lot of bodies. Like, I got to <laughs> devote as much time as possible to making sure we get the body count right. And I just, I had a question mark because I'm like, oh, I hope he's got this because <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing here. Oh, and then this is where Harry shoots, shoots out the lights. Yep. He's just caused a raging inferno. There's plenty of light from the fire. I'm going to shoot out the lights, it'll make it slightly dimmer. Well, I don't know what that did. Well, he, wa- he watched Die Hard. They're going after the lights. <laughs> uh,. Harry shoots two more guys, 33. Yep. Now, oh, and this is where he guy gets, gets the drop on him. He's he gets shoot. taken hostage. Yes. And this is the Uzi. I hate this. You really hate it? I don't yeah. mind it. Because why would the gun keep going off? It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It's comedy. Like, one, like no, I'm well, okay with, like, one maybe. Or, but the guy, and they keep running ass. That's true. <laughs> but wait, the second set of guys who run around the corner, I think that's funny. They look on those guys' faces like, we're going to get them. Blah! You know, like, it's, it's funny. I just hate that the gun keeps going off. I, I don't know much about like a submachine gun like that, whether or not. Like, no. You know, it's a hair trigger. Like The no. jostling wouldn't set off the trigger no. as it goes. It's going because those triggers aren't set up that way, but whatever. It, well, if it makes you feel any better, this is from the original French film. So if you want to really? blame somebody, yep. oh. James Cameron's off the hook, although he did decide to put it in. But Salem Meld. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who wrote this? <laughs> exactly. Salem Meld. Salem Meld. But anyway, so, so do you have, what do you have here? Because this is also pretty tough. Uh, I wound up with eight. Oh, I had nine. I'm, I, so well, I have, here's what I have. I have eight, and I said, what happened to the guy wrestling Harry? That, there's your ninth. Yeah. Because he never comes back. So, I think so I you put him as nine. All right, must that's be fine. Nine. So then really we got the same number again. Yeah, I just did. had a question because I don't know what happened to All the right, guy. All right, so we're now at 42. Stacking up fast. Literally like a minute earlier oh. we were at 14, <laughs> and now we're at 42. <laughs> yes. Um, two more guys who Harry presumably kills off screen. Yep. Uh, and now I've just got Harry does some more damage. Well, the punchline to this sequence is the gun falling. Whether or not you liked it, it's like that's that feels like the capper to a scene. But there's more bodies. Now coming. there's more. <laughs> it just keeps going. That's what yes. I mean. Like including a flamethrower. Oh yeah, the flamethrower is kind of fun. That's good. You know, it belongs in a different movie though. That's the thing. Like yeah. it feels like James Cameron trying to make Commando and just not really. Yeah, I think I think you're right. The tone is the problem. It just doesn't fit this movie. Nope. Take this. And put it in a different movie, and I think it would be really fun, but... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, okay. Arnold kills a guy in a shack, 45. Oh, this is, he has two two submachine guns, and he's, like, doing yes. cross-arm stuff. I think really he's showing off here. I think he gets three on each side with that, doesn't he? For uh, six? I have five here. I have five 
doing the cross arm submachine gun. Okay. And, well, the, but, and the, but there's also a guy in the shack that he killed. So okay, maybe. so that's probably six. All right. And then uh, six with the flamethrower I have. That yeah. was also pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, so what you have? Or two, that, four, six. That's what flamethrower? I got. Yep. All right, so now we're at 56. And now this is the sand spider gets his rocket launcher, and this is it the is fist pump fist that I hate. Yeah, I it's hate really it. weird. Totally out of character. Yeah. And just, you know, it's just not a funny joke even. Like, even if it was the kind of villain who's, like, a little more casual, you know, yeah. even that, it's just, I don't know. It's not funny. Uh, I do I do like, though, I think that my condolences to the widow and let's go Susie Homemaker from Juno is actually pretty good. Yeah. That's the thing. Tia Carrera is really, it's a very understated menace that she has. Like, she's not, like, you know, really, really like, villaining it up. No, she's not Billy Zane in Titanic. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's played well. Yeah, she, she. I mean, she really just finds the right level where she's obviously, you know, not a nice person, but, you know, she's, it, I, I really think she's good. And then uh, the bridge sequence. Yeah. So now we get to the uh, the cavalry arrives, and now it's no longer night. Daybreak is the the sun has risen very quickly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it took Tom Arnold and them time to get there. I do think it's kind of laughable. Tom Arnold running around with an assault rifle as they land these helicopters. It's it's like, n- it is not very believable. You don't look at all like you comfortable. feel comfortable with that. Yeah, that's why you're in the van. You <laughs> shouldn't be, you that's why you've spent 17 years in the van. Yeah, the one time you ha- got to hold a gun, you, you looked ridiculous. So, uh, anyway, it's a short shot, but yeah. They're, uh, they're going to chase trying down to, the trucks. Yeah, they're trying numbers. to bring in the... Give, Harry's trying to get the president on the phone, which I, I kind of smiled at. Oh, is he? Oh, that's right. Yeah, give me He's demanding to speak to the president. Well, he needs authorization to shoot at some nukes, right? Is that why? Yeah, he needs well, someone to give him permission? Yeah. Uh, and so then in the limo, Juno's in, enjoying a little bit of champagne. Um, but I have that a couple of Harrier jets are on their way in to interrupt the party. Yeah. I mean, th- this footage is amazing. It is. It's awesome. It's yeah. well worth whatever they paid. The, the, the Marines actually lent them some, hel- some, saw that. some Harriers for the day. And they got some amazing footage, like really, really cool stuff. And it, it's what make, especially when you put in the context of when this movie was made, you're not doing stuff with computers back then. This is what made this movie like stand out as an action movie. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Real, real Harrier jets. Fighter planes. Dodging actual missiles. Presumably they don't have like explosives. So, right. But like you know, a shot where the Harrier's shooting at the truck and they fire a surface to air missile yep. at him. That's real. Right. I mean, I, it, it probably wouldn't have actually done anything if it had hit it. It would just be like, boom, and bounced off. But still, it like, doesn't matter. It's The awesome. Marines let them shoot a missile at their Harrier, <laughs> and it like actually dodges it. Like, right. That's a like, cool shot. And the shot where the Harriers first show up, and they're in the helicopter, and it's actually Arnold and Tom Arnold. And they're like, oh, here come the Harriers. And they just blow past. What a great shot. Like, man, this footage. It's, it's not even so much like the movie. Like, oh, what an exciting sequence. I would just love to see all of the footage they shot. I don't even need a story. Just like this footage is just, so cool of just Harrier jets flying around. Yeah, and then I mean we're jumping in a little bit, but the, this the actual destruction of the bridge, it's awesome. Yeah. It I mean in some ways that's the thing is it, this kind of stuff has been so cheapened ever since Independence Day, which was not very long after this yeah. movie. But CGI has cheapened stuff like this. This was phenomenal back then. Oh, it was. I mean, it, it's it's to get. You're right. I mean, I think this was the most expensive movie ever made at the time in terms of like budget. But it's on the screen because, like, yeah, to get a sequence like this at the time, you had to spend a fortune, to, you know, to do it. But actually, and, get Harrier jets, and, and then the destruction of that bridge. I mean, I, 
I remember it in the trailers. I and I still remember it. It and it holds up today. I mean, it. Yeah, it looks great. It the the only thing is that people are if if you've never seen this right, if you're you know like my kids or whatever, or even somebody that's just a teenager and they pick this up, they're like, eh, big deal. It was a big deal back then. Right. It's just you've seen so much of that now that you're basically bored of seeing stuff like that get destroyed now. Yeah, it's so easy to do something like that now, right. and you take it for granted. It's easy to forget how much it, of an accomplishment it was yes. to do something like this at the time. I agree. Yeah. And, and not a bad... Well, there's one or two bad effect shots in the final sequence, but I, for the most part, you watch a movie from the mid-'90s that is very effects-heavy, very often you'll be like, ooh, that, Eraser. that shot doesn't hold up. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's bad CGI. I think that's mostly... I think the, the practical effects in that movie are pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than one or two kind of questionable, hairier shots near the end... Because, yeah, this footage is all real Harriers. There's some footage later when Arnold actually gets in it where it's like, well, that's just a Harrier on a crane. Right. You know, but this stuff is amazing. So, uh, you know, uh, you don't have to cover it too much in detail, but you get... Uh, I got a body count. If we all right, yeah. We, well, that's what I was going to say. Other than the body count and eventually Juno and Jamie Lee get into a fight in the limo. Yeah, so the first truck explodes, or just it just gets shot. I only have one here. I don't. I couldn't confirm any more than just the driver. The first van. I thought there were two guys in there. The van in the back is the one with the the Keystone cops with their rocket launcher. Right. Oh, the guy gets blown out of the that back. poor guy. <laughs> um, he gets run over. Yeah, comedy terrorists. Um, and I think the second van is the one with the guy shooting an AK out of the passenger window. But we never see anybody in the. We don't know who was in the first. We never see them. Okay. And it, when it blows up, I don't. I didn't see anyone in the passenger. So I just counted one for that. So that's right. 58, or no, 57. And then, and then yeah, a guy accidentally killing his <laughs> that, buddy. That poor guy, yes. The, like, the rear truck, they literally are just like the Keystone cops. The, uh, you know, the way they die is comical. They're killed by a, a pelican, you know? <laughs> you could never get away with comedy terrorists oh, these days. No, no, <laughs> you know? no, no. It's really kind of jarring, but yeah. I don't mind it. I, I was going to say, it still kind of works, though. Yeah. Uh, middle truck is taken out. That's two more. Yep. 60... And then, yeah, there's hilarity with the Pelican. 60, 63, those three more guys. I, I, I think my, my line, well, not my line, my note is, our comic relief van stops just in time, but a bird does them in. <laughs> <laughs> the things that terrorists are outwitted by and defeated by in this movie. <laughs> a bird. And a bouncing Uzi. A bouncing Uzi, batteries, and a teenage girl in a minute. <laughs> They are defeated by the simplest things. They didn't need Harry Tasker to save the day. They don't day. need Harry Tasker. Why do we need Homeland Security? We don't need any of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, this is then the, the fight with Juno and she... Yeah, the limo. You never want to be the limo driver in these things. I really should have made that the rule in the crisis situation. You never want to be the driver. You're going to get wasted. Well, it's amazing in these situations how the driver gets shot, 64. It's amazing how in these situations the, dri- the dead body's foot always ends up jammed under the gas. <laughs> you think just once, just by happenstance, tilt back. like, whoop, it you know, came off the gas. Yeah, it always rigor mortis st- sits in immediately and their, their <laughs> foot extends to jam on the gas. Anytime any driver gets killed, their foot hits <laughs> Your the gas. natural reflex when you get shot is for your foot to go out. <laughs> Whatever, it's, it's, it's a conceit. They yes. want to do the, you know, exciting. They want to do the bridges out. out. Right. Oh, it's so great. And then her not hearing him, and then repeated, the bridge is out! Oh, <laughs> His reaction is great. Yeah, this, this, this sequence is really well done in terms of, like, they really hung Jamie Lee Curtis, Curtis. out of the helicopter. Yeah, and it looks really good. Yeah. 
Well, because it's real. It's not an effect. Like, that's not green screen behind her or some kind of reprojection. She's hanging out of a helicopter. That'll tell you, like... Her commitment, right? Yeah, for sure. So, Compared to Arnold, where his stuntman does everything. <laughs> he can't even run down a hill without the stuntman <laughs> doing it. She's hanging out of a helicopter. So let me ask you this, because it, it's a little bit unclear. Does, does Juno, does she die? I, my, I literally, my note is, oh, Juno is dead, I guess. So I, I think I, so. I counted her, but it's definitely not definitive. I would have liked some definition there. It's the kind of thing where if, if there had been a sequel, they could have plausibly brought her back. I don't know, driving off of a bridge into the water... She's she going to have a rough time. Yeah, she probably drowns. She probably drowns. I counted her. I, she's 65. But. I counted her, too. So. Right. Uh, so then this is when the, the nuclear blast is going to go off. Can I just point out, Arnold's shirt is ridiculous. Yeah. It He's is been like through two, a lot. It's like two strips. I mean, it's just basically to show yeah. up how jacked he is. Yeah. But it's like two strips of cloth that are hanging by like a collar. It's kind of a compromise in that like he's getting a little too old to be shirtless. So it's like, <laughs> I'll, I'll tear some holes in my shirt. Gives a little bit of a hint. Leave them wanting more. A little bit of a taste. Yes, it's, it's sex sells. <laughs> right. uh, and then this, this is where the movie just goes too far. Yeah. I mean, the, the kiss and the explosion is a nice moment. I knew. I, I like that. And then after that, this entire sequence, because how did they know where to go get Dana? I just... I, and she's in D.C., and this is Miami. Yeah. I, so, so they went, again, because Harry Tasker is so important. Their plan was going just fine. They're, I mean, they blew up the nuke that they intended to blow up. They, as far as I know, killed the secret agent who was giving them a hard time. Right. And they're driving their nukes to Miami. They're going to finish their plan. They don't need her. They already have a hostage. They already have Helen. They're going to send someone from Miami to D.C., pick up this guy who is dead, as far as they know. <laughs> we need a hostage in case he comes back to life. Like, it's so dumb. They just wanted to have the daughter in danger. Yeah, because they introduced the character, so they felt like they needed a user. That's the thing. Like, if this had all happened in D.C., okay, fine. They went and they grabbed her. They had to fly someone to D.C., and she just, the daughter's not in Miami. No, they got her and brought her to Miami. It's absurd. In like four hours. Because all this happened maybe in they were, night. Maybe they were driving Cortez's supercar. <laughs> yeah, maybe. From the well, last stand. That, that car only... <laughs> took, it took like six hours to drive... <laughs> to drive from Vegas to the yeah, border in Arizona. something miles. Yeah, this, this sequence... I mean, it's got fun moments, but it's... It's you're right. It's completely unnecessary, and it's just the movie's too long already, and this is just one too many scenes. Yeah, the I mean, the only thing I'll give I do like that they they give Faisal they actually give him some action, and that he piles up in the body. I I yeah. like that because that's true. What I also like as the the scene's beginning is like, oh I, Harry, I need we need you to fly this Harrier jet, and he goes bye <laughs> when he runs away from Helen. I love the way he delivers that line. It's not as good as I'm having a good no. time. Bye, but it is. It's very similar. And then she's I, like, "Go ahead and save the world." It's like, okay, bye. I, <laughs> I do like that the Marines. Oh, uh, sir, sir, somebody has to sign for this aircraft. Oh, and immediately gives. Oh, I'll sign for it. You got a pen, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and then as if oh, that's all you need to do. Don't worry about it. That uh, you know, he's got a hundred hours of of uh, you know flight time. That's a that's a textbook tasker takeoff right there as he's crushing a squad yeah. car. He hasn't flown. What circumstance did he learn to fly, fly a Harrier? Harrier. Well, it's the Omega Force. I guess they just have to know how to do everything. Everything. I don't know much about jets, but I do know that Harrier jets are incredibly difficult to fly because you know the vertical takeoff thing is like right. so difficult to control but and. 
It's Omega Force. Yeah, he's just. That's, I mean, I mean, granted, he does have a hard time controlling it. That's, so. Then that's probably how Spencer lost that eye. Is probably in you know something in a Harrier that went wrong. <laughs> Harry like flew too close and poked yes. the, the the thing on the end of the co- like the nose cone poked him in the eye. Harry, I need you to fly this jet. We have a mission for you. Oh no, it's the patented Harry Kasser takeoff. <laughs> it got me again. Oh yeah. So, I don't, you know, does any of this stuff matter really, other than the the bodies? No, I, they just wanted to have a big, you know, bombastic action scene to yeah. end the movie, and it does end with a pun, though. I yeah. count this one; it's a oh, terrible. It's, oh, line, of course, it's a, of course, it's a pun. It's but it makes no sense. It's terrible. Why I, you're fired is like if the bad guy was posing as his employee or so, some right. kind of a context where you're fired would have a double meaning. I no, just you're fired. Can I, can I also say uh, one thing I really hate in this? So I don't like any of this sequence, but the sand spider getting racked in the nuts on the plane is oh, so bad. And two years after Hot Shots, the aforementioned Hot Shots, You're right. which did the exact same joke. But in Hot Shots, like, that's, that's what the tone of that movie is, right? right? Yeah. I mean, it, it is a gag. If it's of, going to work, it's going to work in that movie. Well, that's the thing is, I think James Cameron just thinks this is a comedy. It still has all the crazy action sequences, you know. But in his mind, oh, it's a comedy, so he should have his hit, hit his nuts on the on the plane. It's like <laughs> football in the groin, yeah, football in the groin. Definitely not the right context. Although I will say, I was noticing a lot in this final sequence how many double takes the sand spider does. It started to make me laugh because, like, well, because he looks for the key. There's definitely one, right? Who took the key? He does a double take there. When the Harrier arrives underneath the crane, you're right. He does like a full. He's like a boy. <laughs> it's a Harrier jet. It's not. It's not a dragon. What is he reacting to? It's not Daenerys Targaryen. His reaction is so big, like he cannot believe a jet. You know, I, it, it, he's never seen anything like that. And then when he ends up on the after the nut shot, he notices the the AK like still on the wing of the plane or whatever. Yeah. He does like a triple take for that. What? Just like a, what? a gun. What? This whole ending action sequence is just double takes by this guy. You're right. I started laughing at it. It's just like, man, so many double just takes. Just go with it. So, yeah, you're fired. So, what in this, what do you have of the total, total body? Because there's a lot. Faisal gets, I think, two or three. Uh, where do we start before? Oh, so Juno was 65. Yeah. My final total was 80. So, I got 15 here. It's not that many because Faisal kills two, I think. Uh, Arnold kills 12, just ob- obliterating that floor. Yeah. And then... Uh, Which was kind of last action hero, actually. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a it's, fun moment. I like the, the binoculars. The guy's looking at them through the binoculars, and Arnold comes up through the binoculars. Really? I That's thought, a fun moment. I thought that was a little bit much. Um, well, sorry, 85 is my final. So 20 in the sequence. I was going to say that seemed short. Yeah. No, I, no the, the binoculars is great. You don't like that? Yeah. I like it because, like, what's he looking for? Oh, you, oh, wait a minute. Just to go back, you had 85? 85 total. Yeah, that's what matches up with mine, so oh, we're perfect. spot on. Yeah, we, considering how many bodies, I'm pretty impressed that we, we lined up perfectly. And with our over-under of 1,000, we've got to be crushing it with 85 in this thing. I went back and I looked. This movie officially puts us over the top. Yeah. We are over 1,000. We didn't think we'd make it, but we did. And we've, got, we've still got a few left, too. Genesis is going to have a few, but not a ton. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. It's hard to say. Yeah. That's going to be the only one that, uh, I mean, we're already past it. Honestly, I don't even care anymore. It's like we made it. We finished our, we hit the our, over. Yeah. We, we, we got our goal. So the rest is just gravy. Uh, so, so what I will say is that the movie does make, make up that I think the final scene, the Boris and Doris and the tango, I, I do really like, I like that. I like 
Gib in the vans complaining about being in the van. Even though you're right, him walking around with a weapon, he deserves to be in the van yeah. for another 15 years. Yeah, and what does he think? Does he really think he's better equipped? He's going to go out there and tango? Um, no, before they get to that scene, I really, really laughed when they cut to a year later and they're like, they're having the thumb wars. There's a close-up of Arnold laughing. Oh, you're, it's very it's, jingle all the way. Like, what the perfect f- happy family oh, now? Oh, it is for sure. It's kind of it's very over the top. But like his face, this is like the greatest moment of his life. I'm having a good time. <laughs> his smiling. It's it looks like a puppet from Total Recall. Recall. You're right. I it know. Is, ex- it's oh, man. and the fact that a thumb war anybody would find that even remotely yeah. a good time. He is just having a blast playing Thumb Wars. You know, this is like, this is going to be like his new expertise in like Omega Sector. Thumb Warfare, we have to protect against it. So it's sort of like, uh, and this is, I, I think, in the front of my mind because I, I d- had just read today that it's official that there is going to be a season five of Arrested Development. You're saying he's oh, like, oh, really? George, yes. That's news to me. Uh, that he's like George Bluth, that in prison he's having the time of his <laughs> life playing Thumb Wars with his family. As if he's never, it's like, what is this new game? It's a fantastic game. We did not have this in Austria. <laughs> right. Even though he's, how I he's, assume he's an American. How he's an Omega Force? Yeah, I have to think so. Anyway, so that's True Lies. That is True Lies. Body count of 85. Wow. And one pun. One pun. And no Sven sighting as far no, as I can That's kind of disappointing, too. Yes. James Cameron, I think, it seems like he has a no Sven policy. <laughs> no Sven it's, in any of his the, sets are more professional. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, a thousand. That's, that's, I'm, I'm happy we made it. I am kind of, too. But yeah, True Lies, I. It's good. It's not as great as I remember. I, I definitely, you know, when we do our rankings at the end, yeah, I thought it would be like top five for sure. I don't think it's going to make it. I think I was a little disappointed, but I, individual moments are great. I wouldn't disagree with you on that. That I don't know if I thought it was going to be top five, uh, but definitely top ten. And you're probably right that it won't be as high as I thought when we went into this podcast. Yeah, it'll probably crack my top 10. We're getting close. I've, I've started to you put started together to put my list because we, we only have four episodes left, right? No, we do. And it's my pick here that I'm going to need to be doing here. Yeah. So I think we should figure out what's left before, just, since there's still a few movies left. What do we got? Yeah. We got Junior left. I know, I know we have that left. Junior, the sixth day. The sixth day. Pumping Iron pumping and Iron Terminator Genesis. All right, so, so you're you're down to three choices since I, Genesis is last. I am down to three. And if this wasn't such a long episode, I really wanted to cover the box office in 1994, but I realized I'm going to have an opportunity to do it in a different movie in junior because it also came out in 1994. Uh, the reason I want to cover that is 1994 is a watershed year for movies in my view. And it's something that I think we've discussed before. And I'd like to discuss on this podcast. I, I suggest we do it at the fronts because every episode with us is a long episode. It's true. Our goal, I mean, we, we've done it once or twice, but like our goal, like let's keep these under two hours. Like pff, we never do that. Well, it's, this one was we're tough. so bad at being short. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, this, this is a two, a two hour and twenty minute movie. Yeah, for sure. So I thought about making the nineteen ninety four connection and just taking the good with the bad and doing Junior, but I'm not going to do that. That's not going to be oh, my pick. Okay, well, when, when we do do Junior, let's just talk about it at the front. At least that way we don't have to talk about Junior as much. That's my plan. <laughs> okay, to avoid good. as much as we're, we're in agreement. Let's just let's just talk about nineteen ninety four movies, and then at the end, just be like, oh, by, oh, the, by way, the way, Junior came out. Here's what happened. I, I, full disclosure: I've already watched Junior since we only have a couple of movies left, so I've gotten ahead of the game here. Yeah, so That's I'm fine. not looking forward to talking about Junior. I'll save my thoughts. Based, based, I'm only going off of memory. I'm not looking forward to it either. But <sighs> <laughs> I, 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 I meant to watch it again and take notes. Oh no! 
So I thought about making that connection, but because I couldn't bring myself to it, and it's one of those that I should just no. take, take the poison, I decided not to. And I'm going to go with the last movie that you have not seen, and I decided to select The Sixth Day. Okay, great. I'm excited. So kind of the last action movie. Other than but Genesis, the action movies that we could choose because we decided that all the Terminators were going to be the finales. Yeah. So the last action movie that I could pick, and that's what I decided to go with. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I can finally distinguish it from End of Days, which <laughs> I've always gotten the two confused. So at least once I've seen both, I'll know know what Six Days is about, and I have a sense. I know it's, it's, I know it's about cloning. It's, yeah, it's been a long time. I don't. I'm not sure where it's going to fall in the pre-governor decline if it's worse than end of days i can't really remember anymore i'm looking forward to i i was spoiled i know for a fact that there are scenes where arnold is playing off of himself yes right there's two arnolds there's two of them um one groom two grooms (laughs) oh my medication um (laughs) i'm looking forward to that that only that cannot be bad Scenes where Arnold is like, you know, it's like last, last section, you know, you're fantastic. You're the best impersonator I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, I, I can't imagine. Well, we'll see. I, I, I don't know much about it, but well, I have high hopes. All right. Well, that's I, good. I'm trying to get them too high. So that's, uh, that's the show. That is the show. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, and uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Bad Puns Podcast. Uh, I've been crazy busy. So my bi-weekly youtube update being still nothing has been added to our youtube channel well that's okay you can still on the episodes that are posted you can write us uh, some favorable comments in the comment section on youtube or on your podcast app of choice like us and write us a favorable review yeah so my last order of business is the rule in a crisis situation. Rule in crisis situation it came up very early in this movie and uh it's when he was being asked um uh, if he had an invitation and it's that you should always plan an escape route does he? No, he doesn't. He's, <laughs> okay. His, okay. That's what I'm saying. You should. His plan is he's going to walk right out the front gate. Okay. He's the example of what not to yeah, do. Yeah, not to do. So what he's, I'm saying, he's learned the, from his mistakes. He's the goofus in this scenario. Yes, absolutely. Okay, I see it. Because, you know, Gibbs says him, yeah, that's ballsy. Stupid, but ballsy, <laughs> and it doesn't work. So always plan your escape. But maybe if he had planned, it wouldn't have gone as well. Everything turned out okay. <laughs> only, only because his stuntman was able to do it for him. All right. We'll be back with the sixth day. 